0: You know there are more people with genius IQs living in China
1: than there are people... What a great way to just start a film, you know, with like, how many pages of straight dialogue?
2: Yeah, I I think everyone says uh, who watches it that they feel like they have to catch up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it it immediately makes people's ears um, more active.
3: Sorkin actually told, like, a story about that. He said, uh, you know, he always wants to feel like the audience is having to catch up to what he's doing. So Mm. if you start the first scene in the middle of something that the audience is all of a sudden like, oh, wait, wait, something's happening, then they already automatically feel behind and they feel like it's their responsibility to pay attention and catch up the rest of the time as long as you continue leading them.
0: Right, right, right.
4: Yeah.
0: So this scene was shot on day three of the schedule. I guess because the scene was shot so early in the schedule, um, it kind of gave me an opportunity to work in a very real way with the director and the other actors and the crew and figuring out who this character is. You could kind of figure it out in rehearsal, but it's you—you know—it's just not the real setting. So to do this significant scene so early in the schedule allowed me to um, figure out in kind of a real way what this character is going to be like. And I think more significantly, having this scene out of the way right away gave me the confidence to kind of pursue the rest of the movie i felt good about this scene when we were shooting it and after we were finished i kind of felt like there was a big weight off my shoulders when i'm working on a movie i know when the big scenes are scheduled and i have panic attacks um, as they near the fact that this one was shot so soon into the schedule allowed me to um have uh, one fewer panic attack when we finally moved to Los Angeles and started shooting the rest of it. $300,000 betting oil futures one summer and Eduardo will come close to getting in. The ability to make money doesn't impress anybody around here. Must be nice. I also had a lot of fun with this scene. Uh, this was the scene I had to audition with, uh, among a few others, um, and so I knew it really well. I was so surprised that we actually shot this full version of it when I first read this wonderful script um, by Aaron Sorkin. I thought uh, 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 when we finally shoot it, I'll get the real script, which will be 60 pages shorter and of course, uh, you know, and uh, by extension, less interesting. And I was so surprised that when we showed up to set, the scene we were doing was the scene that I read. That never happens in movies, and it certainly never happens in movies of this kind of uh,
5: length and complexity.
6: You're obsessed with finals clubs.
5: You finals club to OCD. You Shot the scene to over we'll two play play nights, and David did 99 we takes. We did it 99 times,
0: but of course from several angles, so so it was not 99 times uh, from one angle.
5: We begged him to do one more, so it would be an even hundred, but he said after 99 he had what he wanted. Uh, but the reason he did 99 takes, uh, it wasn't that the first 98 uh, were bad. He just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think he called print until after the 30th. Uh, uh, he just wanted to first tire out the actors a little bit and kind of knock the acting out of them, uh, and get them to be able to casualize the language. There's a lot of language in this movie, a lot of language in this scene. And, uh, uh, you know, it can become kind of operatic. Uh, uh, so the more you do it, the more you own it, and you, you, they can just toss it off like they're tossing off their phone number.
0: It was wonderful to have that many times to do it because each time felt not only uh, uh, really special but also uh, kind of safe because it was part of um, a larger context of doing it many times and the first two takes were done with all of the uh, extras in the scene uh, talking at full volume so it gave us the opportunity to feel what it was like to talk over you know 50 people in a bar. You know, I was kind of hoping some of that might even be usable, but of course it isn't because the, you know, the sound mix is so complicated that you couldn't use, uh, you know, 50
5: people's conversations
0: and have it intercut with many different takes. What
6: part of Long Island are you from? Wimbledon? Wait. I'm going back the
5: hardest thing wait. for me is yes. starting. You know, after all the research, after months and months of research, then there's months and months of just pacing around and kind of climbing the walls, figuring out what the whole thing is going to look like, and I never know what the whole thing is going to look like. I start before I know what the middle is gonna be or what the end is gonna be. Starting is the hardest thing for me, but I had Mark's blog. Erica, by the way, the part that Rooney Maher is playing, Erica is one of three names that I changed. The girl is real, the name is not. Um, uh, but he'd just gotten his heart broken by a girl, and I wanted to see that scene before going into the section that we're gonna go into after the opening title sequence where Mark is drinking, blogging, Hacking, creating face mash. Face mash goes viral. The final two shots we
0: did were uh, very tight close-ups, and um, you know, David Fincher, he used them so uh, sparingly. And he told me that when we were shooting that you can't use those that much. Uh, that was kind of one of the first lessons. Like this is this is this close-up is uh, you know, it punctuates the scene so much, and it's so significant that um, you have to use them sparingly. And when you use them sparingly, they're that much more effective.
5: I remember David telling me the first day we were working together about that last line in the scene, that he was reading the scene. The scene is nine pages long, and he was on page eight. And he thought to himself, if this girl doesn't just punch him in the face in the next page, I'm gonna stop reading, I'm not gonna be interested. And sure enough, he got to that line, it'll be because you're an asshole. And he said, All right, I'm on board. Now, right here in the script, I had actually indicated that there was a song, it's a song from the 80s called Love of the Common People, which I think Paul Young covered. I don't think he was the original artist on it, but it's a really like high energy song, a driving beat meant to make us feel like his anger, make us feel like a fuse has been lit inside uh, of Mark. And David went exactly in the opposite direction uh, when he talked to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who uh, who wrote the score. As you can see everything gets kind of hauntingly quiet this choice of a music cue for me is what signals to the audience that this isn't your father's college movie
0: this was the first day of the second week of shooting the first week had been the most wonderful experience of my professional life i was talking to david about what he was setting up for this shot and the way he was describing it to me. made me realize um, what a special project I was working on. He cared about everything so much. He, He seemed to be more interested in this movie than anybody I've ever met was interested in anything so much so that in one of these running shots i'm wearing a backwards gap shirt because he wanted the camera to move a certain way and we couldn't move it that way so they just reversed everything you see on screen including the gap sweatshirt i'm wearing and including the uh words ambulance on a passing vehicle
1: like how great is that just playing the violin right there in the middle of this campus
0: Hmm. oh
3: and apparently this violin it's off key to the uh to the soundtrack and that's an
1: intentional
2: choice to create that sort of
1: discord feeling it's in a different
2: key yeah Jackie, the costume designer, she everything that Jesse wears in this film is taken from a photo of Mark Zuckerberg, actual Mark Zuckerberg. Is the, the the attention to detail on that is kind of insane.
3: Same, Same. with the Winklevoss twins as well.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah.
3: It, when we showed this movie at Harvard for the press tour when the camera pans up and it says Kirkland House, Mm. I would say that the audience at Harvard guffawed. And uh, I believe I heard one person go, that's not Kirkland.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In this scene, uh, Mark starts blogging, starts coding. This is something I had no idea how to do, I asked my cousin, who is now an employee of Facebook, who was hired a month before we finished shooting, to help me learn how to code. Also, there was a computer consultant on the movie, named Paul, who helped me on the weekends learn how to code. And uh, the more they taught me, the less I learned. For the record, she made look like... Thank
5: a God Mark wrote this whole blog, because I don't know anything about hacking at all. But, you know, Mark... <laughs> Mark helped out with a literally minute-by-minute blogging account of what he was doing that night. Andrew
0: Garfield bought Economics for Dummies. Um, For his character, inspired by that move, I bought C++ for Dummies. Andrew and I both read the introductions of our books and then put them down. And it made me realize that what Mark is doing in, in the following scenes is his art. You know, one of the interesting things about Mark is that I think, and that's overlooked, is that he's he's a creative person. Uh, you know, he's worth $7 billion now, uh, and he creates internet sites, so it's hard to kind of view him as a creative person. We like to view him as a businessman and as a computer guy. But it's more interesting if you view him as as a creative person. And when I was younger, my dad taught me that everybody could be creative. I was doing plays when I was younger, and I was kind of, I had a bit of a, you know, maybe a su- arrogant air, and my dad told me everybody could be creative if somebody's plumbing in a creative way and they feel it's creative, that, that's creative. Uh, conversely, if somebody's acting in a way that's not creative, then they're not creative. So, it, obviously, creativity can transcend uh, uh, all professions. And I think Mark is no exception in that. He's an incredibly creative person, and this is his creativity. This is him painting when he's accused of stealing the website later from the Winklevoss twins. Uh, you know, he sees it as them uh, suggesting he paint a picture of a woman, and he painted the Mona Lisa. And there's no one who could do it in the way that he's done it, and that's because he's creative. And when you're creative, the thing the thing you execute is distinctly yours and reflects you in some way. And what Mark is doing in this scene is not kind, but it's creative. If you can kind of separate the moral implications of comparing two women on a website and just look at it as somebody's creation, it's fascinating.
5: (laughs) I just did a section out honestly where I don't understand some of the scenes that I wrote. I don't understand a word coming out of Mark's mouth.
0: The first
2: brush I had with this story I, I read for Zuckerberg, uh, so, I read that first scene and another scene and, uh... had kind of called me into his office and said, uh... I want you to reread the script and look at Eduardo. And I said, uh, why? He was like, because I just think that's an interesting idea. And I was like, okay, I trust you. Mm. <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah, so I'll go and read, reread the script and consider consider this. But in, in, inside, I was like, I would play one of these girls instead. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if you wanted me to play one of the girls at this final club party, I would have done that with all of my, um... Excitement and enthusiasm equally. So yeah, no, he he didn't have to kind of ask. You know, I would have done anything.
1: I am actually several of those girls. So <laughs> faces <CGI'd over>
2: <laughs> Walking on your knees. Right there. Yeah, it was it was a very odd thing having to kind of shift in my head space because I I I was kind of for two and a half weeks I was trying to prepare these scenes from Mark's perspective and then to go to the. The other so perspective, good. being Eduardo, was incredibly interesting. and But I think it actually helped, because I realized a big part of Eduardo was his understanding of Mark. So the fact that I'd spent two and a half weeks trying to understand the character of Mark was incredibly useful. Yeah, yeah I'm so glad Jesse's playing Mark.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think what's wonderful about this is we're not sure whether this is an actual party that's happening or whether it's something that mm-hmm. Mark dreams about. And I think we can all relate to that. I think it's such a relatable thing, and... It's like that kind of fantasy and the way it's shot and the kind of slow motion and every woman being as attractive as the next and as, as willing to have as much fun as the next. It's kind of, you know, I don't know, it's, it preys on our, our masculinity in such
0: a kind of visceral way. That shower I threw the uh, dart into the orange juice was part of a long sequence of just sitting there coding at different angles. And we were doing kind of different funny things and uh, I once uh, threw that and it made it in and I went over to David and said sorry, sorry, I didn't know I sh- I shouldn't have thrown that and he was like, that was great, I'm putting it in the movie. How did you know that? <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> Dustin is great. That poster to the right of
2: me is uh that was pretty cool I forget but it was definitely cool it was something about coding it was like some like nerd mantra mantra about <laughs> about coding and it was uh oh, I wish I remembered specifically what it was. this is a bad anecdote now is, is it like I...
1: those posters that say like inspiration but it's like the nerd computer version
2: yeah, it's, yeah, an yeah. it's an
1: inspiration poster in ones and zeros
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I had something about binary code it went over my head obviously. <laughs> but it was was, uh, good.
0: I was asked to put a a few scenes on tape for an audition, and uh, I had never seen Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, I had never heard Mark Zuckerberg. And I still had a great idea of, of who this character was and I wanted to not look at Mark before making the audition tape because I figured if I, you know, got into this movie, it'd be the kind of thing that I'd want to spend a lot of time thinking about and a lot of time looking at. And I wanted to kind of have a more thorough uh, preparation process and I didn't want to kind of just like stick my toe in a day before an audition and I, the tape was, was being asked for um, immediately. So um, I asked my, my sister to... Come over, and um, I got a you know a little video camera, and just put a few scenes on tape. And I, I didn't think they went well. I mailed them out the next morning, and called my agent to tell her that. Um, I wanted to resend a new tape that I thought my tape was was not good, um, and while I was on the phone with her, she told me that uh, David saw, Fincher saw it and wants me to come to California, um, and I I was even more disappointed, almost counterintuitively, because I thought, well, he saw the bad tape, um, but I figured, you know, I'd have an opportunity to go and audition for him in person. And uh, when I went out to California, he didn't want me to audition. I, I brought. The entire script with me i memorized half of it uh we had a uh, just kind of a four-hour meeting in uh what i discovered to be true uh david fincher form. he talked about uh, everything in the world and uh, you know we had such an interesting conversation he talked to me about kind of his ideas for this character the kind of blank quality to him explicitly but uh kind of the the myriad of things happening inside of him i said i know people like that david described people who he knows like that and I was so interested to hear that this guy had more thoughts than you could ever wish a director to have about your character. Normally on set, everybody's thinking about their own jobs, Well, David is thinking about all of our jobs as much as we are, maybe in, in, in many cases more than we are. That's what a, a really great leader does, uh, in addition to being able to lead everybody. This tuna fish thing was, um, I asked my cousin, who's a, who's a computer programmer, what they eat. And he said, tuna fish is, you know, it's for quick protein, simple. Then I asked David Fincher, can I eat tuna fish and red vines in a lot of the scenes, and I don't know if he was thrilled about the red vines, but he liked the idea of tuna fish, because that's what the real Zuckerberg would do. <laughs>
2: Joe, Joe, Joe <laughs> Mazzello is always bored in the back of shot. Yeah. He's always doing <laughs> always something moving. Incredi- yeah. incredibly
3: charming and distracting. That, well, they, they tacked on a bunch of extra days for him,
2: too, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, because he's, he's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wardau.
3: <laughs> there was this
2: one great take that he did when um, we move into the new Facebook offices, and I'm, I'm signing the papers that will eventually lead to my, you know, you know, my uh, anger, my demise. And uh, he looks, he, he looks in through uh, the window at me, and he makes this like excited face. And they didn't use it in the in the film, but it, <laughs> I, I I feel like there should be like a whole a section of the DVD dedicated to that. <laughs> to, to the many faces <laughs> of Joe. the many faces of Mazzello. <laughs> <laughs> Once
4: again.
0: Can't connect. The network's down. Joe brings such a nice levity to the movie in contrast to what Mark and Eduardo are going through, which is so dramatic. In a role that, had I played it, I wouldn't have found the things that Joe found. You know, I, I felt the same way, frankly, about Andrew here. When Andrew and I first did the read through of the movie, I was so shocked because I had read that part. I didn't know what part they had sent me the script for, so I had read kind of for both of those roles and just wouldn't have done the million things that Andrew found in that character. I was surprised on a daily basis, but probably most surprised at the table reading when I saw what he was doing um, with that character, the dignity that he brought, the intensity that he brought
3: one of the helpful things that they did with these deposition scenes is they shot them all after we had finished shooting the rest of the dialogue scenes from the movie that you know dealt with all the creation and the genesis of facebook so it really felt like it had been years and i think you can mm-hmm. you can see it on a lot of people in the deposition mm-hmm. scenes it, mm. it's pretty obvious that it was
5: you know sometime after she jones is so great in this movie as a greek chorus as a stand-in for the audience and as a person who can really bring out the humanity in mark This scene, this is shot on the Charles River. We had about 20 minutes to get it, because David wanted the perfect dawn light. These
3: scenes were shot in about a six-minute window that we had at
5: about 5.42 a.m. every morning. There was just enough time to do it once, get back and do it again. So we only had two bites at the apple. With zero warm-up time. We'd be literally sitting
1: there, and we'd just have to wait until... The light was right, and then they'd st- everybody'd start yelling they'd go, 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 yeah. go, 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 everybody strip off of their clothes. Act, yeah, you're act. spraying down like sweat on yourself, and it's enjoy acting. Yeah. yeah. And in between takes, it was snowing. Yeah. Oh, and they were throwing water bottles at us, saying,
5: You know,
3: you gotta look like you're sweating. Pour this on yourselves.
5: Oh, man. Pretty cold out there at 5 a.m. on the Charles River in October. Army Hammer is playing both Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss. And he's doing it a number of different ways uh usually uh with josh pence uh playing the other part army's face then computer grafted onto josh pence's body sometimes they had to do it a, a slightly different way but uh, a lot of the science of filmmaking uh uh me none of the science of filmmaking eludes david i think this is
3: the
1: most similar that the twins hair ever look in the movie <laughs>
5: I also love that he speaks with his mouth full.
1: Yeah. That's such a Tyler thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tyler. Cameron's such a gentleman, Tyler. You know what I think? way ahead of you. This is our guy.
3: Cameron Winkleboss. W-I-N-K-L-E-V-O-S-S, Cameron spelled the usual.
0: You know, David Fincher is known for doing a lot of takes, and part of that is that he doesn't move on until he feels like he um, has, you know, nailed it, or the actors nailed it. This administrative board hearing is the one scene I, I felt disappointed by after we shot and never mentioned it again to David Fincher because I, I was so mortified by what I did. This was the one scene where I felt like we moved on from this just one shot at the end more quickly than I would have liked.
1: That guy has a great face, too. Utter bewilderment. <laughs> Utter bewilderment.
2: <laughs> and that guy
0: on the right, too. <laughs> yeah. They're all cardboard cutouts. <laughs> yeah the dorm room window line. I don't like the way it's delivered. I had no sleep the night before, but that's no excuse, because who sleeps before shooting a movie? It comes out kind of like a line in a commercial. It's too cute. I was trying to do something else, and kind of the, the bad version of that came out.
5: You know, I could go through a list of hundreds of things that Jesse is so great at in this movie, but I tend to write little hiccups into the language, like at the beginning of that speech, it begins, I, you know, and then he speaks. And Jesse is able to take those verbal hiccups and casualize them you know, make them seem organic. One of the things I did
0: to get into this character was uh, to try to learn a lot about Mark. Um, we found his college application. Uh, Trish, the, um, the, the prop master, uh, gave me his college application in it he writes his personal essay about fencing that uh nothing excites him more than a good bout with friends on the lawn at high school so i uh, you know just in my attempt to to be most the most prepared i possibly could on set i took two fencing lessons in in los angeles um uh, and i noticed that the posture that i saw mark use in 60 minutes and uh, other interviews um was a little unique the top half of his body seemed kind of isolated and very straight and when i took the fencing lessons i realized that's how they make you uh, uh, stand, and I thought, um, that's uh, such a perfect connection, and I should stand like that. Uh, I naturally have bad posture, so trying to stand oddly straight just maybe look like a real person, but that's just because I'm comparing myself to me, who stands um, like the missing link. But um, if you watch the real Mark Zuckerberg, he kind of walks in an oddly straight way, or at least as compared to me.
5: This note originally said but we needed a PG-13 rating. And I made a strong appeal to keep it in there on the grounds that A, it needed to be, you know, such a a hurtful note that he would get up and walk out of the class, and B, we don't use the word casually at all. I mean, we're saying it's a horrible thing to say to somebody. I love this moment because I think it's, you really
1: start to see that he is not a machine, Mm. even though it comes off it in so many
5: ways, but he really, you know, that hurt him. Obviously lost the argument. You, Dick, was somehow more acceptable to them. Uh, I think it works uh, all right. Not quite as good as what was there before. I have a funny bit of
1: trivia about me and Army. We were born in the same hospital (laughs) in Santa Monica, four years apart. Yeah, that's true. We're both older brothers who have younger brothers that are approximately 20 months younger than us. Yeah, that's true. Kind of creepy. Interesting. And uh, both sort of born and raised in the Santa Monica
4: area. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. And I actually rode against the Winklevoss, uh freshman year of college. It was right, crazy, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were the same year. I was at Dartmouth. They were at Harvard. And we rode at the uh, foot of the Charles, which is a big race in the fall. That's very interesting. And they were really good.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is on set in LA. And again, another just amazing set. The level of detail in here. Mm. All those old pictures. All the, the old, dorms. They, uh, those are all old, like, uh, porcelain, member yeah. pictures? Yeah.
2: Really The sandwich.
1: And that sandwich is great. It's enormous. I mean, there's
2: a moment where, where, where Jesse's trying to put it in his pocket. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. I think it's coming up. Yeah. It's really subtle,
1: though. I love the way he drops his backpack. <laughs> <kind of> He's <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to figure out a way of taking it home with him. What do
2: I
3: do with this thing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so foreign to him, too. It's a giant sandwich. He's like, I don't even know what this <laughs> is. These outfits too for uh, the twins and
3: Divya. Yeah, I guess because everything you put on Facebook is then permanently on Facebook. Mm. They just had thousands of pictures to pull on.
4: Hmm.
3: However, uh, the biggest complaint that that I heard from the twins was Tyler Winklevoss comes walking up to me after he got himself into the premiere and he hits me and he goes, Dude, I do not have a pair of earmuffs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs>
4: that's
2: terrible. Yeah. Was he crying when he said it? <laughs> yeah, like that was—he just—he
3: looked slightly perturbed. <laughs> when we started shooting this scene, uh, I was—I was—we we started it typically where I would play Cameron and Josh would start as Tyler, and uh, we walk in and we assume our positions and Josh kind of just grabs this bike off the background and just props himself up on the bike, you know, keeps his arms crossed but he's sitting on the seat of this bike and. We shoot the scene and then you know as we normally had to uh we would would then later for the you know for the close-ups of the singles i would switch and then we, i would do the tyler thing and i remember getting on that bike and just having the most difficult time getting it to stay still and fincher's like do it like josh and i'm like
4: i'm trying dude this is not easy
1: i could have tortured you so many times <laughs> yeah, great. Awesome. Oh, you did. I tried to keep the movements to a minimum. You did <laughs>
3: no the the burger scene uh, where uh, where we walk in <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, dude, just with Tyler, please, like don't go crazy on the burger. And like, oh man, I'm so hungry, I'm so I'm just gonna murder these things. Well, for the first like 30 minutes, that was all good, but then you know we ended up shooting that scene for you know two hours. And Josh had to eat how many burgers? Did you I have to? I don't know,
1: like fifteen.
3: Yeah, and then I had Double to go back and bacon do it, burgers. and I had to eat as many burgers as Josh did, and it was just like I was so pissed at him. By the end of the night,
1: eating these cold burgers. Oh, it was a disgusting.
5: We're really asking the audience to keep up with us here. We're we're these are two depositions uh, uh, that we keep cutting back and forth to. And if you can, if the audience has to sit forward, if they have to run to keep up with you, uh, it's a really exhilarating feeling for the audience when they get to participate in a movie like that. And, you know, I just think it it makes everything better. Does anybody know who wrote this script? It's pretty good, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's decent. I think it was
1: Aeschylus, maybe? Patty Chayefsky, Shakespeare.
5: They're not Jewish and they can't dance. And I always worry, because I can never quite hear the T in can't. So I think some people think he's saying they're smart, they're hot, they're not Jewish, and they can dance. They're,
2: hot, they're smart, they're not Jewish, and they can't dance.
5: And the line is they're smart, they're hot, they're not Jewish, and they can't dance. I think we survive. I have to ask Andrew where where this dance move came from, because
1: it's kind of awesome.
2: I don't know, I just
1: <laughs> it worked out perfectly.
2: <laughs> I didn't even realize I did it, you know. It was
0: just, <laughs> it was just out of pure pure instinct.
1: Pure in-the-momentness.
0: When we were shooting the scene, um, Andrew danced over to me, and uh, the first thing he said when he got over, he goes, was that okay? Was that okay? I was like, yeah, that's great, that's great, it's so funny. And, um, it is, I mean, to me, I liked it because, uh, I liked it through Mark, because Mark would have no idea what Eduardo is doing, because it's the last thing that Mark would do. So I loved that Andrew's doing that, because it gave me kind of a reaction of, like, "Like, what is this man doing? Who is he? Oh, Eduardo. And what's he doing? He's walking, but why is he moving that way? Maybe his leg is broken. You know, Mark, you know, when, if Mark would see somebody dance, he would think that they must be in pain, because why are they moving? in that strange way which has absolutely nothing to do with the caribbean
2: <laughs> this was my first night shooting and uh no they way. put the, they they put this hat on me and i thought yeah let's do the hat and uh and then i regretted it because the hat looks so stupid
3: did they add this mist Breath. Yeah, they did. Is that, yeah,
2: and uh, and the snow, the snow was fake. So we were cold,
0: but we weren't that cold. We had to do, we had to do a bit of cold acting. Visit, Browse around, maybe it's someone you just met at a party. But I'm not talking about a dating site. I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college. So I've been doing a lot of interviews for the last uh, uh, several weeks and we will be doing interviews for the next several weeks um, about this movie. And, and when I'm asked about the character, I always say something along the lines of, this is a guy you kind of wanted to fit in in, in, in college and didn't have the kind of social wherewithal to do so, so he created this world that... He did feel comfortable fitting into and that became facebook and because he's such an insightful and creative guy 500 million other people feel comfortable abusing it but uh, i should say that that never entered into my mind while we were shooting i suppose that must have entered into aaron sorkin's mind when he was writing but you know acting is uh, uh, a visceral and emotional experience above all else um it's not my job to kind of tell the larger narrative Uh, i'm part of it of course but it's not something i can control The character of Mark always has a quality of um, a superiority. He's always watching from afar, not because he always feels uncomfortable, but because he always feels, in some ways, a a little above it. You know, um, my sister is, is an intensely creative person, similar to Mark, very focused, socially not as adept as she is creatively adept, and I think she always feels a bit removed, partly because she, as she says, feels like she already lived it. She, all the stuff that she sees people doing, she says she feels like she already lived. Whether in a previous life or in this life, she's already experienced in some way that it's in her in some way. Um, and, and that's how Mark feels. I think he's uninterested in what other people are doing because you know I think he feels a little beyond it. It makes sense that he's uh, you know the youngest billionaire in the world, or actually I think the second youngest billionaire in the world because Dustin Moskovitz is a few months younger than him. And it's funny that Mark Zuckerberg, because he's not the youngest billionaire in the world, the person who is was created by him. That's exactly Mark. ...take the Phoenix Club and turn it into my ping-pong room.
2: I'll let you know how the party is. It was so easy to fall in love with Jesse. I had to fall in love with him, I think. That was, I felt like my responsibility was to just totally fall in love with him throughout his deviousness and, you know, questionable intentions. Even though he's playing this character that's so guarded and, um... Protective as a person, I think it's important to say that he might be the most raw, open, vulnerable, um, I don't know, kind of communicative about how he's feeling person I've ever kind of come across. Yeah, I second that for sure. I think that's why it's so interesting that he was able to access this, um, slightly detached, yeah. um, mm-hmm. defensive... Uh, sort of
5: cold and austere character. You know, the thing about Army's performance, which I think is great, it's not like he's playing the good twin and the evil twin. There's about 11 degrees of personality difference between these two guys, so it had to be a very nuanced performance.
2: It's weird when there were adults on set. When we came into these scenes and there were actual adults <laughs> that we, we we were acting with, I felt guilty that we were kind of, um...
3: Having too much fun. Yeah, or something. Yeah. I, don't,
2: I don't know. It just felt odd that we were with these incredible older actors and they were our representation. It was this really mm-hmm. weird kind of skewed thing. But I guess that's kind of the point. Like,
1: yeah i think that you're right andrew i mean the juxtaposition between the youth and the stakes here Mm. i mean it adds to the stakes because you've got these kids are so young and loaded One of the things that this film is able to capture so well is...
3: ...it's no longer the producers of actual actual material goods... ...but the guys who can sit in front of computers. Like That's the new 21st-century businessman. Mm. Especially because it takes place at Harvard. Seeing that old guard kind of battle it out. Like, Larry Summers literally just doesn't even understand what they're talking about. Mm. Like, I don't get it. Go do something else. Like You're confusing me now.
5: Mark Zuckerberg to Tyler and Cameron Voss, December 10, 2003. All of these emails are verbatim. Um, Mark's emails to uh, um, to Tyler Cameron and Divya.
2: Okay. Anybody else feel like there's something up with this guy?
5: Tell him okay.
3: But we do have to make sure that we meet up before we all go off for break.
2: I know. I know. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> this is my last night shooting. It was very fun to to have this. I don't know why. Don't know it was just it was just lovely. This fun. was your last I... night on the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: I like Eduardo's moves. <laughs> he's got a lot of, like, spins and... <laughs>
0: hey, Mark, uh, I need a dedicated Linux box running Apache with a MySQL back-end. It's gonna cost a little more money. How uh, much more? Uh, about 200 more. Do we need you it? know,
3: when he says these things, I need the this system with the this, and the handle the capacity of this and that, and this and that, and he's <laughs> like, it's gonna cost a lot more money. He's like, how much He's like, $200? Like... You could do all that for two hundred dollars? That sounds crazy. Maybe just because I don't know what it is, but <laughs> right. it just sounds nuts.
0: I made the second cut. That's good. You should be proud of that right there. Don't worry if you don't make it any further.
2: It's such an archetypal relationship, that isn't it? It's that, mm. that that fear of someone else superseding, like in in a, in, a, in like a friendship, or in a mm-hmm. relationship, right? Or like a brotherhood, or like 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 you know two brothers, one superseding the other, and. God, it's it's dangerous. It's so dangerous. It takes it takes big people to to retain a friendship and, and like a, a bond when I don't know when. Uh, it was really interesting to to de- de- delve into that and think about when this that's happened in my life. What oh, how much did you eat? Good God, look at the
5: size of that burger. Oh, it's Jesus. two. It's two like pound and a half patties together. Was it tasty? At first. Uh, This is at Phillips Exeter. We put the snow everywhere, we put the statue there. But um, uh, on the Harvard campus is that statue of what's supposed to be John Harvard, but they do call it the Statue of Three Lies.
2: For, For this scene, the energy was kind of low in the first few takes, and I kind of... I was like, you know, what would really help if we had just a, a row of girls just watching us, and then out of nowhere, as if God was watching uh, just a bunch of female students were standing on the opposite side of the quad just watching us for the rest of the time, so all the guys started showing off a little bit more and <laughs> really? getting a little that's bit more great. kind of energetic. And I was like, yeah, because at, mo- at first it was like we were all just a bit fed up to be there. It's, you know, you introduce women um, to, the, to the scene and uh, there's some peacocking that happens. Yeah, I think that's what it needed.
6: Mr. Zuckerberg registered the domain name to Facebook via... Uh... But what was
2: interesting in being in, um, in that deposition with you guys was was a very strange feeling that I wanted to, to defend Mark, even though I was also suing him for millions and millions and millions of dollars.
3: I think that's the only scene we had with you.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I think it was... I love that. Sorry, yeah. I know we don't yeah, want to yeah. say how much we love things, but when he lifts up that sheet, it's such a... I don't know, it's such a pure summation of his feelings in that moment, and that was all Jesse.
0: That was such a good moment. My sister, who I just mentioned, who's uh, similar to Mark, intensely creative, socially a little uncomfortable, she would always draw. In fact, she finds it impossible to have a conversation with another person unless she's drawing. She can only pay attention to them when she's drawing, and she does pay attention, and when she's not drawing or doodling, um, she can't pay attention. So I thought that's exactly what Mark would do in these scenes. Uh, I had a legal pad in front of me and I drew the entire deposition, partly because Mark doesn't care and he's not showing them the respect that they feel they deserve, but also because I don't think Mark can pay attention to this very hurtful stuff unless he's um, distracting himself. Mark is a, a, a creative person, again, that's what I keep insisting upon. Mark is a creative person. Uh, I'm talking about the character of Mark. I'm sure the real person is, is, is even more creative than whatever creativity I was able to bring to the character. But he's a creative person. This is a guy who would draw. Um, I, I'm sure he probably expresses his creativity in many ways, but Mark is creative, and it's important for, I think, people to think of him that way. For the narrative of the movie, and I think in, you know, it's not my place to say, but in real life as well.
2: Mark. as Joe. is our favorite boy. The way he talks is so interesting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where his mouth moves. The way his mouth
1: moves, I know. He's like a muppet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's like a muppet.
1: How good was a <laughs> little kid in Jurassic Park? Oh, my God, are you I, I, kidding me? Every time I see his face, I cannot forget that. Are you I kidding? Know. Yeah, no, I... I just see the dinosaur coming up and him just being terrified.
2: <laughs> I was so jealous of the young Joe Mazzello when I watched that movie. I was like, ah, that kid, that kid is gonna... <laughs> the bane of my existence
0: right before we shot the scene running out of the snow i did one of the dumbest things i've ever done i take these wellness formula tablets which are these capsules i opened up the capsule they are filled with garlic and echinacea all sorts of disgustingly tasting things and i threw my antidepressant in the capsule i closed the capsule and then swallowed the whole thing without water and I had, um, an antidepressant and a capsule of garlic powder, which is, like, the size of a horse pill, stuck in my throat. And then I had to run across, and it was the first day of shooting, and it was, like, on David Fincher set, so we had to do it a few times. I started, like, uh, throwing up, and... David Fincher was apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm making you run. So I was like, no, no, you don't understand. I just I swallowed an antidepressant inside of a garlic capsule without water. I, I was too embarrassed because I didn't know anybody on set to ask for water, and I couldn't leave my position on set. You know, I didn't sleep the night before, of course, so I was exhausted. And uh, you know, the antidepressant I don't know acts, which I'm no longer on. Um, uh, you know, acts I think uh, as a bit of an uh, energizer as well.
3: Jesse said that he's not a very good typer, and uh, <laughs> he figured out a song lyric that involved uh, typing predominantly with his right hand. And uh, he would just over and over and over type out the same song lyric. I don't remember what it was, but... You don't know. sing it. Yeah, <laughs> no. The legal department will explode.
2: <laughs> that
0: is really good. And that was it. What do you mean? It's ready. It's ready? Yeah. Right now? That was it. This is Mark being creative. This is Mark looking at his painting. You know, this is, um, uh, to use the Mona Lisa analogy again, this is Da Vinci looking at the Mona Lisa. That's what it is for Mark. It was important for me as the actor to look at, you know, it's the birth of a child, you know, it's the completed painting. That's how Mark thinks. The fact that there's this dispute uh, over who created it is so disgusting to him, because no one would dispute Da Vinci for painting the Mona Lisa, and no one would dispute a mother for having their child. Uh, it's just inappropriate. And so when Mark has to go to court to defend what he created in this scene right here, is it's offensive to him. Not only is it offensive, it's, um, it's incorrect. Aaron wrote this beautiful moment that Mark starts davening. And I just loved it, and it's stuff like this. I, I would never have thought to do this. Uh, I, it's something I would have like, loved to do, but it wouldn't have happened. It's, it seems so extreme. It's such a beautiful moment in the movie, and more importantly, it's so true to what this character would do after he's finished this thing.
3: This music is perfect for this, too. Look at his yeah. eyes, his eyes. Yeah. like
1: over
2: you know let's go get a drink and celebrate i'm, buying I'm talking to no one
5: <laughs> mark. agonized over a word here when mark starts mark. nodding his head eduardo's line is uh mark are you praying and i wonder if the line should have been mark are you davening Ooh, <laughs> years,
3: and you'll never
5: cry, heaven... what ever happened to cole porter
3: in
1: irving berlin
3: Valentine's Day they theme.
1: They're playing love songs. Good point. Because Cole Porter and When they and the
3: shot this, the acapella group, it was a real acapella group, and they sang this thing, but the microphones that we were using to record for playback were not tuned properly for the acoustics, and, uh, you know, they didn't know the room and all that stuff, so when they sang live, it sounded amazing. But whenever they'd play it back on playback, it was just, like, it, everybody was off-key. Like, it was just, it just sounded so bad, mm-hmm. which was so funny because they sounded so good live.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: What? His world crumbled. <laughs> I love that arm movement.
4: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Max and his flailing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very physical role, for Max. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're running across that bridge later on. Oh, yeah. This,
3: this, this right scene, here. apparently they shot this so many times <laughs> oh, that oh, Max, Max threw up <laughs> while he was
1: running in this scene. And wasn't this his first... Oh, no, was, this was his first day. This is Max's Yeah, first this one in the tanks. I love this. You've got the Harvard Boathouse, and you think of Harvard as just, you know, such a cutting edge. Everything could be clean and expensive and new, huh.
5: and you have these Spartan Zuckerberg tanks, you know? Yeah. This is the rowing tank at Boston University. He stole our website. It's been live for more than 36 hours. Mark Zuckerberg stole our website.
3: Mr. Hotchkiss. Hi, on the phone with Dad. Uh, yes, sir. I'm, I'm here with my brother. This Tyler. was actually the scene that we auditioned with.
1: Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. That, do you remember that? Scene. I'll yeah. never forget that. We came in to read for Aaron, and Armin, and I had to know both parts cool. inside out and backwards because they didn't know who was going to play what. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we came in, and then as soon as we got in there, they said, Oh, actually, you're going to read Cameron right now, and you're going to read Tyler. <laughs> and that's all we did. We never switched at any yeah. point during the audition. I think I spent three or four days just straight i think we had 25 pages dialogue yeah it was a long long audition and then one of them is this know, scene while we were shooting this uh you know because
3: josh has you know josh is very in touch with his movements and i think that comes from you know your modeling background knowing like how your body moves and stuff like that so it was it was really difficult because josh would do this scene and effortlessly he would do hmm like six different things at once, scratch his back, grab the newspaper, do all this stuff in very fluid movements. So then when we'd have to go back and, uh, you know, we'd have to reshoot this, I would have to match all of Josh's movements. And it was, that was I mean, tough. it was, it I remember was a Walt long day.
1: I could have done a little less there. Yeah, I mean it was like
3: scratch the back, move the hair, do the thing, grab the paper, adjust the computer—like a million different things that we had to keep track of—and poor, uh, poor Sharon, the script supervisor. Oh man, she was just oh she had oh, such yeah, a rough yeah. time this of was,
1: it. Actually, that was our last day too when we when
2: we reshot part of this. Yeah. Shout out to Sha- to, to to Sharon though. Huh? Yeah. Oh my god. Absolutely. She uh, she probably had the toughest job. Yeah. On the um, on the set with what with the dialogue and Aaron Sorkin uh, mm-hmm. looking over her shoulder constantly, <laughs> making sure that she was doing um a, her, her job to his liking and and you know David I mean like he, she had some taskmasters and then, and then us who would be constantly trying to uh, you know mess things up and uh, yeah she uh, gosh she really re- re- retained a, a kind of coolness.
1: Yeah, I think she had her hands full with the Winklevoss alone because yeah, what's, right uh, when Armin and I shot this, everything that. I did as Tyler, he had to match exactly. And so she's she's there for every every single bit of that. She's gotta catch every single gesture that I make and know, Yeah.
3: Zuckerberg said he hoped the privacy options would help restore his reputation following student outrage over Facemash.com. Another brilliant set it's built on stage, on stage here. Mm. Yeah. Now, while we're waiting for Dad's to look stuff that over uh, that New used England used sweater right there was actually no, no, a, a Teamster oh, sweater. Yeah that uh, Fincher walked by this teamster and was like, that sweater's perfect. I want to buy that from you. I think he gave the guy, like, a hundred bucks. Huh. And the thing was just sweaty and stinky, and basically <laughs> he just, like, threw it on us and was like, here you go, here's your new sweater for this season." <laughs> yeah.
1: He was a total Boston dude.
3: Because we're gentlemen of Harvard, this is Harvard, where you don't plant stories, and you don't sue people.
0: It's probably important to remember that, that Mark is 19 when he does this. When Mark says, I'm in at the Porcelain," He means it. And he also means it when he says, do you see an A for code? No, then you didn't have anything to do with it. He also means that. It's what happens when you have never done business before. It's happened to me too. Um, when I was 17, I agreed to write a screenplay with a good friend of mine. And then uh, he went off to camp and I wrote the whole thing. Um, and I agreed to write it with him, but I also was right when I told him he didn't write a word of it. Uh, you know, And I'm still good friends with him, so I don't want to say too much. But um, that's kind of what Mark does. Mark makes a kind of a mistake. He makes a business mistake. It's a, a youthful... Full mistake. It just so happens the thing turned into uh, you know to a thirty billion dollar company. My script is, is probably uh, lighting the fire in some uh, you know agent's uh, uh, assistant's house somewhere. So
5: it's safe to say you were aware that my clients had money. Yes. Let me tell you why I'm asking. I'm wondering why if you needed thousand dollars for an internet venture you didn't ask my clients for it. They had
0: demonstrated an interest to you in that kind of thing. I went to my friend for the money because that's who I wanted to be partners with. Eduardo was the president. Sasha Baron Cohen walked by as I was saying that line. I went to my friend for the money, and it's this kind of very emotional line. And I said, is that, that Sasha Baron Cohen? Um, I don't know what the point of that is, except that it was this very emotion. Oh, except, you know, that's the nature of making movies. You're staying in an emotional place and strange things are happening around you, I guess
5: we already went through this
3: on the- these two deposition scenes they wanted to show the differences between you know the old world the east coast and the new sort of palo alto mm. world where you know connecticut law firms or wherever they are uh, you know it's like all the old mahogany and leather and mm. big wood tables and the other one it's all glass and light and metal and all that future olympians
5: and a movie star oh, who's the movie star doesn't matter no <laughs>
0: Like that moment uh, where Mark kind of shakes his head (laughs) because his lawyer says something uh, uh, so shallow, asking which celebrity was on campus, was uh, one of my favorite moments to play. I'm glad it made it into the movie because it just shows that Mark is even above his lawyers.
2: This guy, guy, holy Moses, this guy is more Bill Gates than Bill Gates. Yeah. It was insane. I think he's like a professional Bill Gates in- impersonator. Yeah, he know.
3: does, like, uh, who goes to events and stuff like that, I think.
2: What a, what, a, what weird events that would have a Bill Gates impersonator? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like well, a th- kid's birthday party.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's Mark Zuckerberg's dream birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... You know, I, I met a guy one time who looked exactly like Brad Pitt <laughs> to the point where, uh, while I was talking to this guy, like two people came up to him asking for autograph. And I was like, you know,
2: do you get that a lot? He's like, oh no, that's my job. Yeah, <laughs> I need to talk about Brenda Song. Yeah, please. In this scene, she um she is okay. Yeah, she's incredible and she's beautiful and she's talented and uh, she is so generous. She, she David was giving her lines to to feed me off off um, off camera to make me blush and to make me nervous and. I think the last one was... um you know, fa- Facebook me later and then maybe I'll let you, s- you, you know, um, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> oh, it come was on, dude. what was it, come on, dirty. come on. he like, was like, Facebook me later and then, and, and then maybe I'll show you my tits or something. And it was, it was- Oh, was, that is not incredibly dirty. It was dirty. so much worse than I'm sure. Okay, no, it was probably worse. But <laughs> coming out of Brenda Song's mouth, it was- yeah, But if it came oh, yeah. from Fincher, it was incredibly worse Incredibly innocent than and like, it was it was just so useful and helpful. And I think, you know, that was the last take you know? we did. And Fincher was like, okay, yeah, that's you know? it, got it. Like, he <laughs> <laughs> it was really, yeah, she was so generous. These guys are great, These guys by are the way. Great, yeah. ...could be right in this
0: room. I, I doubt it. And I showed up late. I don't even know who the speaker was. <laughs> it was Bill Gates. <laughs>
3: I love even the sound of the screeching <laughs> tires in the background. Yeah, just, yeah. like, that little foley stuff that just, right, like, thanks, yeah. you know, informs the mood a little bit. and Just, like, the that guy said something dumb, and it, it, it goes, <laughs> <laughs> It's great.
0: So, I like get like, like, a Glock and kill.
2: I'm
3: gonna get a Glock and Q.
2: There was a line in there that one of them had before. I think it was like it was it, it, where, where the guy was like, "I didn't know it was Bill Gates." D- Dikembe Mutombo was was sat in front of me for the whole
5: for the whole thing. I had no idea what
2: we were looking at. I was looking at the back of Dikembe Mutombo's head. Mutombo. There was uh, an, an Aaron Sorkin line, lost in the gutter. Well,
0: we got four thousand members because the Facebook is cool, and if we start installing pop-ups for Mountain well, Dew, I it's not gonna be cool.
2: Mountain Dew. But at some point, and I'm. Talking as a business it was weird running to work every morning with Jesse and, and and as soon as I got in the car I'd start speaking Because I didn't want him to hear my English accent Because I didn't want him to be distracted by uh, by my, my shift in accent That was mostly for him I just didn't, I wanted him to consider me as For Jesse? As Eduardo, yeah You're talking about
0: fashion, really? I'm talking about the idea of it
2: and I'm saying that it's
1: £3,000 yeah, At w- what point were you cast? I don't know I know Armin and I were the last to be cast
2: I don't know. I I have I have no idea the chronology of it.
1: We were cast like three weeks outside of production.
2: <laughs> right, crazy. Yeah, that must have been tough to. I mean, to, to figure out because I think he looked at twins, didn't he? He looked at actual yeah. twins and then.
1: I remember the first time I went in to read, there were twins right in front of me. Mm. How tall were they? <laughs> Not tall enough. They're like six feet maybe, but they had to be like eighteen, nineteen. They looked too young. But yeah, suckers. But that was tough because then we had three weeks to get in shape. I put put on 15 pounds in three weeks. I mean, we were just
2: out of our minds. Eating those
3: giant burritos every morning after practice. (laughs)
0: Unpopular and, and Harvard connection is lame. Wardo, I didn't use any of their code. I promise, I didn't use anything. Look, a guy who builds a nice chair doesn't owe money to every. I was at the Hollywood Festival Awards chair. last night, which is an award show. Kirk and Angus, uh, who edited the movie, won for uh, for this movie and showed what's about to come um, uh, for kind of the the editing uh, for this movie. And it's not a scene I would have thought to show to to display the um, the editing for a movie because. Uh, Seems, seemed fairly straightforward. And then when I was watching it last night, thinking of it in terms of uh, uh, of why it was being showed and, and why it was being um, singled out for editing, uh, it became immediately clear to me how challenging it must have been to, to be able to kind of jump back and forth in time uh, to show that's two distinct times, as well as it's all integrated in, in, in story.
5: ...about the site, where it stood with graphics, how much programming was left that I had not anticipated. The lack of hardware we had to deal with, site use, the lack of promotion, that would go
2: on to successfully launch the website. This was the first time You raised any of those concerns,
3: right? I'd raised concerns before. Bullshit. Not to us? That bull not to us moment. Fincher had such a specific (laughs) timing thing that he wanted (laughs) down (laughs) that he literally was like,
0: bull (laughs) not to us, and he (laughs) made sure that we had the thing down. I love that. Is
5: that a question? In the 16th email... Uh,
0: the, the one disagreement I had with David Fincher um, in this movie was the line, is that a question? Yep. Um, I was reading it in kind of a strange way, or I was maybe saying it in kind of a strange way, and David Fincher came up after like 20 takes and said, why are you saying it that way? And I said, oh, that's how Mark said it. He says this very funny line in the 60 Minutes interview he does with Leslie Stahl. He says, is that a question? And I guess I was just listening to that interview too much, so it must have sounded so odd, because uh, it was just uh, a mimicry. Um, and it sounded odd in context. Context of everything else that I had done, <laughs> but David is such a wonderful, uh, open-minded director. He just said, "Oh, I didn't realize. Do it." And so I did it that way. Call themselves tall. They have a right to give it a try. But there's no requirement that I enjoy sitting here listening to people lie. You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. The rest of my I didn't expect this
2: moment to have such a profoundly creepy impact, and it's 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 to do with his eyes change in that in this scene his intensity looks like
3: a reptile Jesse's
2: intensity becomes um uh, I don't know just like incredibly strong in this scene and that combined with the music and his body language just shifts he turns turns into his worst self in that moment in the most kind of beautiful way back at 2.30 so uh what were their names their names were Christy and Alice
0: and they want to have drinks... tonight. In this scene, Mark is supposed to laugh, you know, when the girl unbuttons his pants, and I, like, I did a laugh, and then, and then I did a different laugh the next take, and David Fincher said, no, what, what, what happened? Where'd that laugh go? I said, like, what laugh? He's like, that, that laugh he did in the first one. I was like, I don't remember it. So they brought me by the monitor, and I heard the laugh. <laughs> I didn't think it was that interesting, but uh, that's what I had to replicate 50 times while Andrew got to make out with Brenda's song. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what he's telling on his commentary track. This was a
2: tough scene to do, let me tell you. Oh yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm so How many takes of that did
1: you have to suffer through? <laughs> there was a lot of rehearsal for this.
2: <laughs> Fincher let this moment go on to the point of mm-hmm. complete uncomfortability when she exits frame and leaves me, um and I'm like, When is he gonna say something? <laughs> oh, Exi- oh wait, exited. here it comes here it comes. Oh, here comes Pence.
1: This is the moment
4: of the Boom.
2: Moment. <laughs> Should we talk about our offlines yeah. to you during this? Oh day? my God! Every <laughs> it was the single filthiest tape. things. Like, it was like a mixture of Fincher <laughs> and Jesse and Bo, uh, uh, Bo, Bob. Oh yeah. The AD Fincher and, gave yeah. you a good one at
1: one point. That that's the one I think that almost. Which that one I was broke. it? I can't remember.
2: I think Jesse said one about like, oh sorry, I, I, that he gave me that I just kind of laughed my way through and I said. Uh, oh, sorry, man. I think there are some uh, there are some girls just sewing up their hymens in there. Oh my God, just oh, that terrible. was terrible. It's just awful. That came from Venture. No, that was Jesse. Oh, that was Jesse yeah, that was Eisenberg. Oh. Yeah, somehow, the sorry, mind of Eisenberg. Can I talk to you <laughs> Oh, there were some really difficult, difficult things, but that was that was yeah, fun, that was to, fun. <laughs> to, to see to see you contend <laughs> with all that.
3: I think a funny thing about where they shot this scene is that Citizen Smith like, in L.A., which mm-hmm. is actually I think Timberlake owns that.
2: No. Susan so, Smith that. is his. Wow, yeah. interesting. That's I to yeah.
3: huh.
2: Justin Timberlake is enabling nerds to get <laughs> in bathroom stalls across America. God bless
4: him.
6: ...stop you from writing it, as if every thought that tumbles through your head was so clever, it would be a crime for it not to be shared.
0: This is actually the only scene uh, uh, David and I had like, kind of discussions about and felt differently about. I thought this is the only scene in the movie that you could see Mark become very emotional. Uh, the scene with Eric at the bar. <laughs> it's funny, I, David, which is the opposite of every other director that's working. Like, kept telling me less emotional, less emotional. You know, you think, you know, director, you know, trying to elicit emotions of people as a director. Um, and he kept saying, not emotional, not emotional. Maybe it's emotional, but we don't see it. Mark's emotions, when he has them, and if he has them, are his and you don't see them always reflected on his face. It makes it a bit difficult as an actor because that's your job. You're trained to show your emotions. That's pretty much the only job um, and to remember all your lines. But um, I was supposed to kind of suppress that. I think it does something interesting and I think it creates an interesting character it's not to say it wasn't disappointing sometimes to feel like I'm not being able to show off or something. But ultimately, the final product is interesting, and the final feeling I have about it is interesting. I love how
3: confused Joe looks by the fact that there are girls in the room.
0: Constantly. Somebody at the newspaper will be a computer science major. Tell them that Mark Zuckerberg will do 10 hours of free programming. Why do you want a story in the BU newspaper? Because I do. Now, here's the arrangement. Eduardo is CFO and owns 30% of the company. Dustin is vice president... <laughs> <laughs> his hands, his fingers. His, in his mouth. Uh, Chris is director of publicity and his compensation will depend on the amount of work he ends up doing. Any questions? Who are the girls? Sorry, um, (laughs) Christy and Alice. Hi. Hi. Hello.
2: Hi. I like that he always had that dark. Yeah. And Stanford. Yeah. What? Stanford. Symbolizing his single-minded focus on Mm, his target. Trying to
1: hit the bullseye. (laughs) I thought it was
3: a metaphor for his virility.
2: (laughs) 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 Or, Or lack thereof. Yeah. You're welcome to some salad. No, thank you. This must be hard. Who are you? I'm Marilyn Dopey. I introduce myself. She I mean, to This is a great introduction. In it's desk.
1: such an important character. I think she, you know, Marilyn, because she she's the only one that really seems to connect to him. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's the only one that... She's the only one that he opens up to. Mm
4: -hmm. And it's interesting, she's sort of also... a stranger.
3: She provides a sort of, you know, through line for the audience as, like, a consistent character who's objective a little bit. Like, she really has that, like, you know, you're not the asshole, you just are trying so hard to be... You know, she really is able to peg him... Mm. on the head like
1: most characters miss him you know and she's the only young young lawyer Mm. Mm -hmm. which is also interesting
3: young people rule the earth
2: jesse Mm. looks older in these scenes and especially in that scene his face was his face looks older somehow like he looks more relaxed his face shifts constantly in, in this role i think he goes from being open to vulnerable to mostly guarded to to evil like he has this amazing i don't know he's able to kind of shift Enigmatic. The is up, Harvard connection becomes less valuable. I want an injunction. I want
3: they had to put so much tanning stuff on Max to make him look <laughs> Indian. He ended up just smelling like a, like a tanning parlor the entire time on set. <laughs> How's it going to look? Like my brother and I are in skeleton costumes chasing the karate kid around a high school gym. Cam, he's violated Massachusetts state law. When he goes to Connecticut, New York, and California, he'll have violated federal law. And by the way, he's in violation of Harvard law. There's no such thing as Harvard law.
2: Hey. Sad, I was never on set with you guys really. I I, I remember always like leaving just as you guys were arriving, or and then like it was, it was, it it felt like we were kind of ships, ships passing in the night i had no idea what was going on in these scenes it was really it's it was really interesting to know to know that have this awareness that there was a whole nother movie being made mm.
1: i feel that way too actually about yeah. about the in, in in the opposite way mm-hmm. and i think it's definitely a testament to Lorraine mayfield who cast this movie mm-hmm. so well i mean mm-hmm. everybody that was supposed to get along got along they <laughs> yeah. all sort of naturally gravitated that's towards right. each other that's right sean parker
2: I feel like his character is so sad. There's such a sadness to him. Like there's I think he puts it really well. It's like a a performer doing a performance. I don't know, he puts it better. He'll he'll put it better on the TV commentary. Right, Justin. What was that you were saying <laughs> Justin about <laughs> the other thing? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and explain that, From
6: Orenda, your father's in commercial When you audition for something, you're in a room with nothing. And when you always when you get to set and you kind of see what you know, the production designer and the set designer and what they've built the world that you imagined uh, comes to fruition, comes to life and. And so many things fall into place. And, you know, when I got to this on set, you walk through it and you kind of imagine and plot out what Sean Parker and this girl, Amy, uh, must have done the night before. And, you know, what were they drinking? What? Other things were they doing that ended us up in bed together? I'm an entrepreneur. I find that when people uh, have talked to me about the movie, they talk about my first scene and they refer to the dinner scene at the restaurant. And I have to remind them that the first scene where you meet Sean Parker is in the dorm room. And I think it's a testament to Angus and Kirk and David and how they must have plotted out, uh, and also Aaron, how he plotted out how you meet everyone in the story, uh, because what it does is it doesn't make you very assuming of Sean Parker as a person, which is great because uh, of, of how his role in the film plays out.
2: Broke. Justin's presence was so interesting. Unfortunately, everyone has this preconceived idea of Justin Tim Blake just because it's impossible not to because he's such a, a profoundly, um, I don't know, present whether we, we know his music or we love his music or whatever relationship we have I think everyone has some kind of preconception. I think he surprised everyone. I think it's incredibly wonderful and rare when you find uh, someone who's been uh, at the mercy of public opinion for so long who's managed to retain a sense of who they are and a groundedness and I, that, that I see that as, the, as, as a very um, admirable thing and he definitely was that he was One of the ensemble, any of those preconceived notions were completely um, embarrassing and and silly. Um, I speak for myself.
6: (laughs) There's a snake in here, Amy.
3: I think uh, Dakota, who plays Amy, I think the underwear that she was actually wearing on the day was smaller and they had to digitally go in and put more underwear on her. Seriously? Otherwise, uh, MTV wasn't going to be able to show the trailers or something like that. Oh,
2: man. Opportunist. That archetypal yeah. opportunist. Yep. It's so I don't know, it creeps me out, man. Those people creep me out. Those those people who just who who can you know, they sell out their own mother to to get what they wanted and those people those people exist and it scares me they exist and it's embodied perfectly by Justin send here.
6: Myself an email.
2: Yeah, is everything okay? Everything's great. I just need to
6: find you, Mark Zuckerberg.
1: i love this scene so much i think this was the longest two days that we had i think
2: it was, think it was like shoot. one full
1: day but we spent like 14 hours doing Four it like two
2: doug, yeah, yeah, doug, doug Bansky Bansky. playing yeah Summers. tell us about doug amazing
1: he's so great the
2: non-actor doug Arbansky. did not want the part he tried to talk fincher
1: out of him doing the part he did really yeah he was like i do not want to play this part i'm not an actor
5: david mm. doug arabanski is not most known as an actor he is a conservative talk radio host. He often fills in for L- Rush Limbaugh. And while he and I disagree from time to time on uh, um, politics, it's, uh, you, you can't question his brain. He's a brilliant guy.
3: He walked into Fincher's office the day he was screen testing for this, and, and we read with him for the screen mm-hmm. test. He busts through the door. He's like, David, this woman is a bitch. What is going on? And just like yelling and <laughs> screaming and making a racket. And I literally had no idea who this guy was. And I was just like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what? And he, he did the scene, it, same character, same way. Like, this is Doug Urbanski. Yeah. Like, right, 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 this is right, right, Doug yeah. Urbanski doing an amazing performance yeah. as Doug Urbanski.
2: He, he's a manager and a producer, right?
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. He, he
2: manages Gary Oldman, is that right? right?
1: Yeah, And he's actually been producing theater since he was 20. Wow. Yeah, he's a big theater That's producer, right.
2: right. That's right. He's going. Yeah, that's right. London.
1: I mean, West End, Broadway. Yeah, that's right. Extremely intelligent guy. I mean, in some of the stories that this guy told, but, I mean, <laughs> he it has stories great. and dirt on Doug, everybody. Yeah. Old
3: Hollywood. Like, yeah.
5: Everybody. It's amazing.
3: What my brother and I came.
5: It was David Fincher's idea to. Uh, uh, David knows him well. It was David. David's idea to use him in this part. And uh, yes, David says things couldn't have been better. He was, uh, he is uh, uh, absolutely fantastic as uh, Larry Summers.
3: of our emails or phone calls for the last two weeks. He doesn't answer when we knock on
5: his door. It was a couple of days before uh, the movie opened. Uh, it was screened for President Obama at the White House, and uh, apparently uh, the president particularly enjoyed this scene.
3: There's a code of ethics and an honor code, and he violated the You ball.
5: enter into a code of ethics with the university not with each other.
3: I'm sorry President Summers but what you just said makes no sense to me
2: at all.
1: I'm devastated by that.
2: <laughs> that feels like David Fincher talking right there. Right. That seems oh, like uh, a Fincher line. Oh yeah. Reading.
1: The contrarian. To be...
2: I'm devastated by that. Good hair in this scene, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look <laughs> yeah. at that
1: updo. I have to say, for everybody, Linda Flowers yes. and Fizz and... and I Kelly. Mean, they had such a battle with the Winkle boss because it was just, you know, the hair has to be the same.
2: Defining, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
1: Armin and I have different hair, obviously, naturally. So yeah. It's yeah, how yeah. do you, you know, match that? Yeah
2: so is that your hair in that scene
1: uh this one i think
2: because the are twins aren't hairs? interacting uh, yeah. i think we just shot yeah, this one split screen so i kind of that's your hair on these. doug arabanski's head yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> and
1: that's
3: <laughs> and you
1: know what by the end of this day doug said this was one of the best days of his life seriously he said he had yeah. so m- oh, he was like man, i never so thought cool. he's like i never wanted to be on that side of the camera and he's like i just had a blast oh that's so with cool man
4: and they get this colleagues of their
2: father he's incredibly natural for him so it's nice. un- yeah he's it's amazing unbelievable he's so like unselfconscious he's so like, no yeah not present. nervous
1: it, yeah he was just
2: he's not watching himself he's just behaving it's kind of insane
1: yeah i mean this is literally the first time he's acted
0: actually i had my first conversation with douglas serbansky last night He's so wonderful in the movie. When I heard that they were, uh, you know, casting him, I didn't know him. I assumed this part would be played by, um, you know, a celebrity veteran actor because it was the only, you know, really meaty adult role that would only require a day of work and, and, and be a great scene. Uh, you know, again, it's just David, you know, uh, selecting actors that are really appropriate for the role. I asked Doug uh, last night if he's interested in uh, pursuing acting, and he's like, "Well, no, but I keep getting sent these wonderful scripts. So uh, this movie has um, kind of uh, lit a fire under this new career for him." Denise, who plays my lawyer, she's a lawyer in real life. Oh, that's right. She was a lawyer
2: first and foremost, and then she started studying acting, and, you know, I, I when she arrived on set, she told me that I literally just hugged and kissed her. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is gonna be so good. Because, <laughs> like, just, just knowing that she was gonna look after Eduardo, do you know what I mean? And she's such a passionate actress
5: as well. Now we're about to come to the one scene in the movie I asked David to cut in the editing room. Here comes an amazing
3: cameo. Uh
2: Uh-oh, here it comes.
3: Bam, there he is. (laughs) There he is. And he did a great job in this, too. It's hilarious. Yeah, it
2: was amazing. I I think he was getting very upset that he wasn't allowed to smoke throughout the scene. (laughs) He wanted to smoke in the scene? Well, no, he just wanted to keep leaving to smoke, and David, of course... I guarantee
5: you David did that to him on purpose. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
5: David said, uh, you're gonna play the ad executive. I said, come on, let's get a real actor to do it. He said, no, you're playing the ad executive. and. And that was the end of that. Aaron
0: was wonderful. Aaron is an actor. You know, he started as an actor um, and, and, and has, you know, that, that skill, which is immediately clear from working with him, is he has the natural ability of, you know, uh, you know confrontation or whatever it is that actors are doing in that scene. And um, uh, it was fun to work with him, a little intimidating, uh, not so much for me, but for Andrew, who had kind of like a mouthful that day and was so worried he was going to screw it up in front of Aaron. Uh, you know, of course, Aaron's always on set, but uh, not so close by.
3: Did you guys hear that um you know mark zuckerberg who said through the entire course of the movie and pre-production and, and filming that uh, he had no interest in seeing this that it was mm. a work of fiction and all that well the night the movie opened he rented out a theater in northern california and took all of the facebook employees to the theater to go see it and then after they went to go see the movie they all went out and had apple martinis mm. and it is now the uh signature drink of facebook
2: it's a good sport I had done a search, and I'd asked around, and he struck me as kind of a a wild card. Why?
5: This is supposed to be the Restaurant 66 in New York City, but we're shooting it at an art gallery in downtown Los Angeles uh, over two nights. There's about to be a lot of difficult choreography uh, coming up in the scene. Uh, Tough to stage, tough to light. The scene isn't short. Uh, none of these scenes are short. I write I, I longer, much longer than average movie scenes. Kudos
1: to Timberlake for this. This is a big scene, and this is a lot to handle. I mean, he's just going the entire time.
2: He withered me in this scene. It was so so powerful. I was so pissed off. He's so strong in this scene. And Jesse's face. Look at Jesse. Mm, Jesse Jesse's he's like love. going through he's hero like worship. Yeah. yeah yes. it so it was infuriating. <laughs> <Look at that. laughs> this montage was was one of the funnest. P- what quid- was he talking parts. about there? We were just like we were just chatting and trying to make each other laugh, and it was the only time that we had free reign to make to 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 just make fun of each other, and uh, it was the only time that it, well, the 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 film wasn't scripted, so we just. We went slightly insane. We went kind of giddy, and there was a in
1: character. Or yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. In
2: character, but yeah. trying to stay in character, yeah. and then and after that, I had to to do that line about, uh, you know, we all know that you know, uh, Marlins don't weigh three thousand pounds, right? And I couldn't, I couldn't get through it without giggling, without cracking up. It was mm-hmm. that was the the one night where, and Je- and Je- and Jesse, Jesse just constantly made me corpse. The way that I read this film was like a two part film.
6: The five minutes before this scene in the deposition room, it's such a great tee up for this character to come in and, uh, you know, knock it out of the park. Uh, <laughs> at lack of a better term, the beauty of a character like mine in the film is they could be true or they could not. Uh, so it didn't matter um, as long as I made them entertaining. I would like to. Um, also, say that Apple teenies are. Uh, not as tasty as they look in the movie.
0: You know, we've been doing press for this movie, and when we went to Europe, um, that was the first time I realized, like, uh, Justin Timberlake is an international icon. Um, when we were shooting, of course, you know, he's as humble and as uh, and as wonderful as, as you probably expect from hearing stories about him, and from the stuff that he's done, which, which implies a, a work ethic and a seriousness that doesn't come from somebody who's, uh, you know, silly about it. And so, um, you know, I, but I almost wished justin had you know his screaming european fans on set because that's how mark views him and that's what mark sees himself as almost it probably would have helped me a little more to be part of you know a mob
5: you know nobody auditioned more or worked harder to get cast in this movie than justin timberlake and the reason why is that uh, this is counterintuitive but his fame was working against him. We were putting together a really balanced ensemble cast and you know there was a feeling that by putting this international superstar in the middle of it it was going to upset the apple cart a little bit. But his auditions were just too compelling to ignore and the reason we kept calling him back so many times was we were just hoping that he would give us a reason not to cast him that that you know he would finally show up and and not be good.
2: You know what?
5: So the, the sushi that is
0: on the uh, tables of the extras in the scenes were refreshed every few takes. The ice cream was refreshed every few takes. It's stuff you probably wouldn't be able to see, but it creates an overall picture. I don't think of it as indulgent at all. I think of it as totally necessary, almost, because it adds to this kind of overall palette of thoroughness and, uh, and, um, and creativity. The script was constructed so well, these clever cuts most of them are, 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 are scripted, um, the billion dollars being Eduardo's line um, uh, and so many others.
6: Every character in this movie has a line that is the memorable line. And that's uh, Sean Parker's, you know, a million dollars isn't cool. You know it's cool? A billion dollars. And it's kind of interesting because you never get to hear him say it.
0: I would always ask people, like my parents and my sister, when they saw the movie, um, was it confusing at all? When they were jumping back and forth, was it confusing? I would always ask them, and the answer exclusively is, of course not, it's exciting. And uh, that's so wonderful. I mean, the craftsmanship that went into this movie, obviously, is unparalleled, uh, um, or at least paralleled by very few things. And um, the construction of the script is no exception. Um, You know, Aaron's known for dialogue, for witty banter, for cleverness, and I think it's easy to overlook construction of a script. The construction of the script is totally unique, and it totally works. I compare this scene to, like,
6: you know, whatever Dick Van Dyke was on when he was doing Step in Time on Mary Poppins, you know? It's playing the kick drum and, and the hi-hat and singing the song, and it's a juggling act. Um, and it's, it's a three-ring circus, and it's meant to dazzle and, and leave their heads spinning.
0: In the script, uh, scripted, we go to New York, I live in new york and 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 was thrilled for the opportunity to go there because uh i'm so rarely there and that's where everybody i know lives and then uh we shot this in front of a green screen with kind of a very complicated lighting setup and none of us stepped foot into um into new york and i didn't see my family for five months
5: originally this scene in the cab was still back in the restaurant and you know sometimes good things just come out of necessity and we were running out of time we were running out of darkness the sun was going to come up and you know David said to me you know how do you feel about rewriting this so that this section here uh, at the end of the scene is you know in a cab on their way home after dinner and, uh, and I think it works great
4: you have anything here
5: yes thank you mr. Saverin, have you ever done anything that might be considered legitimate grounds for termination no you never did anything to embarrass the company or even seriously jeopardize it? No. Another thing
1: that's great about these constant flashbacks back and forth, kind of like we were talking about before, is you can see no. how far they've come. Mm. And So much of it is the physicality, which is so important as an actor. I mean, mm-hmm. when you see them at those boardrooms and Mark and baro, they look like they've been through a lot and they mm-hmm. look like they're, they're, they're young men now, you know, not old boys mm. Mm. as they are here. It
3: was funny, especially because, you know, having only been intimately involved with the Winkleboss's story, I had a really specific point of view about it, but then after seeing the movie and seeing all of you guys bring those other characters to life and and make them so sympathetic and human, Mm. it was difficult for me to then, you know, Remains so, you know, chicken. steadfast on my
1: idea that, like, yes, the Winklevoss are right, you know. Yeah. But how helpful is an actor to have that? I think, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're almost kept in I'm isolation.
2: Kirkland Dining Hall with Mark, and I had the chicken with me because I had to have the chicken with me at all times. This was college. Somebody's gonna have to answer for this.
5: Nine hundred sixty-nine.
2: And the dining hall was serving chicken for dinner, so I and I had to feed my chicken. So I, what I took little pieces of chicken and I gave it to the chicken. Someone must have seen me because the next thing I knew I was being accused of forced cannibalism. I didn't know you couldn't do that. And,
5: you know, there's Andrew doing a great job with those verbal hiccups again. Um, uh, uh, you know, when they're written into the script with dash dashes and dot dots. Um, I, it's, uh, you know, there are, most actors have a lot of trouble with that. And these guys, uh, you know, it's just, uh, they're great musicians
0: this whole movie wanted to kind of push andrew you know like push him in the cheek um, because that's kind of what mark does and you kind of want i, I had the desire always to like kind of punch Andrew in the stomach a little bit because that's how I think my character feels about his character. He's like, you know, Eduardo's always annoying him. He's like the mother who's in his dorm room. You know, it's like Mark still lives at home when he's in Eduardo's, when Eduardo's in his room. It's like his mother coming over to his apartment and it's so annoying because Mark is doing this awesome thing and Eduardo is his conscience. He's always kind of giving Mark advice. And it's, uh, it annoys Mark. Um, And uh, it makes sense that uh, uh, Mark would kind of, Kind of uh, squeeze him out of the company, or at least that Eduardo would get himself squeezed out of the company. Oops. The way Aaron Sorkin describes it is that uh, uh, Sean wants to throw a party and he's waiting for Eduardo, the parents, to leave the house. More money, Eduardo. Yeah, no, I agree. More servers, more help. I'm interviewing two interns to come to Palo Alto and we're going to have to pay them something. Sorry, this scene, which I didn't remember, but I was reminded by Andrew because Andrew told me that he said this in an interview about me. Um, this chicken wouldn't turn around. Uh, um, we had to get the chicken to face one way and it wouldn't turn around and I. I guess I was studying Russian history at the time so I would go talk about uh, Bolshevik revolutionaries to the chicken and only then would he turn around and as an experiment I tried to talk about something else and the chicken wouldn't turn around so <laughs> Andrew kept telling me to talk about these obscure Russian uh, revolutionaries and then the chicken would turn around and we always we would joke that the chicken was so annoyed and bored with me that I was talking about this like very dry history that it would it would it would face away from me.
2: He literally would sit down and be like, Well, what was interesting in the turn of the century? Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: And every
2: single time the, uh, the the chicken would look at him and turn his back on on Jess. And then we'd roll. It was it, that was kind of uh, I don't know how he discovered that because Jesse's weird. <laughs> we don't know that any of that's true. You can
0: read about it. And I can read about you torturing birds since when does reading come fish? They... Eat other fish! The marlins and the trout! What's he talking about? I'm interviewing Joe Mazzello, um, uh, you know, here is is like bringing levity to a very intense situation. I don't know if that was, uh, you know, David's direction or Joe's inspiration, but in the whole movie, Joe brings such wonderful levity uh, and uh, uh, to these other characters who are so intense. Uh, it adds so much to a part that, had I played it, wouldn't see it that way and wouldn't think to bring that stuff to it. I love this scene so much. I love
2: the the atmosphere in this room. Yeah. Walk, it, it was it was totally electric walking into this room. Every single take, the the these um, these these extras were so I don't know energized by it. And the whole concept of this scene just created so much energy in every single person in this room. It was like Fight Club, geek Fight Club. It was, it was <laughs> so cool.
3: Yeah, it looked like a fun scene for film.
2: Yeah, it was no acting required in this scene. It was just it was like watching a a, a,
0: a cockfight. Uh, the shirt I'm wearing in this scene, it should be noted that it, it says Ars Nova on it, which is a theater company I, a theater company in New York City that, that I, I am associated with some of the people there. It's a shirt I wore to a costume fitting one day um, uh, to Jacqueline West to design the costumes in this movie. It should be noted that all the costumes in this movie were taken from pictures that the real people wore, with the one exception of, of this Ars Nova t-shirt that I'm wearing in this scene. Um, I got an email from the uh, the programming director at Ars Nova saying, uh, may I ask why you wore an Ars Nova shirt? I told him this strange story. Jackie, who was so incredibly thorough, allowed me to wear this shirt in the movie. Um, I guess she said it was a shirt that would make sense for Mark to wear, but uh, I was just so surprised because uh, every other shirt was a shirt that Mark Zuckerberg actually wore in a picture. That moment was just
2: like wow. the coolest. <laughs> 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 Mozello.
4: $18,000? Yes. In addition to the $1,000 you'd already put up? Yes. A total of $19,000 now?
2: Yes. Hang on. <laughs> it's an infuriatingly <laughs> small thing to do.
0: I got the same thing.
2: I, <laughs> I hate him so much.
4: After expressing misgivings about Mr. Zuckerberg taking the company and moving it to California for the summer, why did you put $18,000 in an account? Do
2: you think Eduardo
3: maybe was throwing more money at it because he felt it slipping farther and farther away?
2: Yeah, I feel
0: like that was probably what he felt. His only way to stay a part of it. This scene I always had a problem with because this was the one scene where Mark had to have fun, and I couldn't figure out how he would have fun in this scene, what his version of of fun would be. This is, again, talking about the character. I I know the the real person has fun. And the scene opened with Mark on the roof jumping in, so I had to be that much more fun, and then, I think, for logistical reasons, that was not happening, I guess, because I couldn't be wet or something like that. I didn't know how I would do that, and I'm kind of glad I didn't have to.
2: When I originally read for Mark and I was envisaging Playing him, potentially, I, the only, when, 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 <laughs> I love Dustin's stomach. <laughs> I, like that. The only, the only, the, this, the fact that I went, when David said, oh, what about Eduardo? I just thought about this scene and how depressed I was that I would never be able to be in this scene. The, um, the zip line from the chimney into the pool, because that's a kind of a, yeah. a classic, you know, young person's movie moment. And this whole scene is just like such a cool, Fun, youthful, um, exciting scene to be a part of. But I like
3: that they also. This is like the first time where they show Sean Parker with like a an underaged-looking girl, you know, yeah. sort of setting that for later. Yeah, and we yeah, get the yeah. sense
1: that he's not who he really
0: says he is. You made the right he says, "Somebody get hurt," and and Mark says. Uh, You live No, you live across the street, and it's because Mark has no interest in in what happened outside. He's now with Sean. It sounds like a subtle and and, and maybe unimportant thing, but for an actor, that's everything. It's because Aaron is so wonderful. He's giving me the thought process there without explicitly stating it. He's letting the actor find that thought process. And if the actor doesn't find the thought process, I think it would still play, but um, uh, it's just so much more fun when you figure it out. And this
6: is one of those scenes that I I love because it doesn't require much explanation. It just happens, and before you know it, Sean Parker is a part of Mark Zuckerberg's life. Eduardo didn't come out. It's great, you know, you get that last line, Eduardo didn't come, and, and then it's like, okay, let me work my show. Let me do what it is that I do best, and that's what this scene is. I remember rehearsing this scene we rehearsed at a conference table in David's office, in his production office, and, you know, I remember David just kind of looking at it and and feeling like, meh. He kept wanting to cut it down and cut it down and cut it down. And then finally he said, okay, now let's rehearse this scene. Jesse sat all the way on the other end of the conference table, and I sat all the way on the other end of the conference table. So we were sitting really far from each other, And he said, "Okay, scream it as loud as you can at each other. And then when we did that, all of a sudden, the scene came to life. Nothing felt expositional. Everything felt like it had to be part of this conversation. And I found this scene to be physically and mentally the most challenging scene to do, probably because Aaron and David kept changing up dialogue. So much of the order of it, what I was actually saying, the verbiage, even just small words, and it was one of those things where I said, you know what, I'm just going to, when I get there, they'll have it that day on the day. And I just sat up there. I never left until, you know, we left for lunch and then we came back. But that was the only time. And I stayed with Jesse all day. We stayed with each other because I felt like this was where our two characters were building a love affair, a real admiration for each other. Essentially, what I thought was a great value to play was that Sean and Mark actually suffered from probably the same fears and insecurities, and they both invented something to hide from it. Mark invented Facebook, and Sean invented Sean Parker. And um, that scene is great because it really shows a darker side of, of, of what he's capable of. It's a really incredible character because you want to not like him, but everything he says is dead on and everything he says is going to happen, happens.
2: Jesse's so open, I think this is his most open scene. He's just, like, so receptive in this scene. And you see a
1: little bit in his eyes right there, too. Mm. The turn, Yeah. you know? Starting to get
0: power hungry.
6: But not this time. This is our time.
0: You know, this scene is like a five or six-page scene that takes place in a nightclub, and it could be—it um, could just be that scene, even though it's being said is so interesting. But you know, David in true form brought some other interesting element to it, and it was that—that that we're, we're shouting. Uh, if you go to a club, you have to shout. I've shot a lot of movies uh, that take place in clubs. <laughs> I've shot a lot of movies not that take place in clubs, but I've—I've sh- I- I happened to shoot a lot of scenes that take place in nightclubs uh, in uh, the movie Adventureland, and I did a movie last year, Holy Rollers. There's uh, several scenes in both of those movies that take place in nightclubs, and the rehearsal, the action Actors would do loudly. The first take, and a- the actors would do loudly and by the second take you do it at, at kind of a regular conversational volume because there's no music playing there and you just forget to do it and you feel uncomfortable doing it. But because we had uh, uh, these kind of earwigs um, uh, playing music loudly in our ears, we were forced to talk loudly and the scene is so much more interesting for it. Thank God Justin's um, uh, spent the last several years singing for, for um, you know, huge arenas because the, the amount of talking he had to do would, would tear anybody's throat up and uh, and he delivers it so wonderfully here throughout he so many takes. Got him.
6: I think it's,
1: it's amazing to, re- to remember too is how many people they had on Facebook before they even got that angel investment. Yeah. Um I don't even what was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sir you can take this away and
6: bring back
2: Jesse's he's so jazzed. He's like he's been just
0: on a bunch of drugs. I don't have anything to say about this scene except that I can't believe I'm in the same movie as it.
6: Aaron has a cameo as one of the potential investors, and I always say that's you know, that's Aaron's cameo in the movie, and then there's the Henley Royal Regatta scene, and I say now that's David Fincher's cameo in the movie. <laughs> This looks like a model. It
2: does, I, mean, I was it's just thinking just, like, that,
3: yeah. like, They use that, what's it called, tilt zoom, tilt shift lens, and it just—it makes the depth of focus so shallow that like certain parts of the screen would just be
1: blurry while other parts are crystal clear. It just It makes it really interesting. The rest of these rowers are awesome.
2: Were you in this trip?
1: Awesome. Yeah. Were, you, were
2: you in this yourself as well?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that was technically supposed to be Tyler, but... My, um, uh,
2: my dad is a swimming coach, and one of his um, swimmers is in this scene. Oh, no. no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah. I forget the kid. Phil
3: one fill one of our rowers, you'll see him in a second, I think. It's right he's the guy me. behind Josh that looks like he's absolutely <laughs> enormous. He's six foot enormous. nine. Hmm. And I think he weighs two hundred and seventy like, pounds. Yeah, 270 pounds. stones. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's just like the largest human being. They call him the shaved bear. What was amazing <laughs> about the scene is every single close up is shot was shot on Dorney
4: Lake. Now, <laughs> uh, um, the
1: best thing also about this scene was um we started out and they,
3: they needed the boats to finish at exactly the right position, really close, like half a boat length. So we start out and they're like, okay guys, keep it at 50%. You know, we wanna make sure we finish at the right time. And uh, and we get out there and these are all like Great Britain national rowers right. and like Olympic competitive rowers. athletes and all that, Olympic rowers, the whole thing. So we get out there and one boat starts to pull ahead and all of a sudden one of the guys in our boats just yells. Lunch, and then all of a sudden, it was just like, and then like, basically, we all wanted to beat them so badly that the actual thing turned into a race, and we ended up being at 100% when
1: we that beat, was and just collapsing when it was over. <laughs> that was also the worst weather that we had rode in ever to date. Brother, it was, I mean, it was rode, 40 mile an hour gust of winds. Yeah, I mean, and, and normally, we wouldn't go out if the wind was over 12 miles. I rode five years, and I will tell you, that's gnarly. Like, yeah. you don't go out in those kind of conditions, ever. And then of course we have two takes to do this scene yeah. <laughs> that we've been prepping for for ten months. Huh. And there's forty mile an hour gusts.
2: Work though, jeez, and like the the, the 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 twitching of your muscles afterwards, like the the kind of exhaustion that oh, that, yeah. that, that move that move down you have is so I don't know expressive.
1: Actually, I take it back. I think this was one of our longest days didn't we reshoot this yeah well because all the people who are smoking
3: cigarettes in this scene are smoking these really weird herbal cigarettes that's not it's they're not tobacco i guess mm. is the point but it smells like you're burning a rope that's been lost at
1: sea for Uh years i mean it's just the worst (laughs) smell gives you the worst headache and these poor people just had to smoke packs of these terrible cigarettes we actually shot this at uh the Greystone mansion in beverly hills which is uh, the doheny mansion which is haunted yeah and uh yeah the sound guy yeah it was somebody who, who had a recording, basically, yeah. where they set up a microphone in the Doheny Mansion. From, oh, it was from National Treasure. That's exactly, what it was. The yeah. sound guy from National Treasure had set it up, left it in the Doheny Mansion overnight, and at like five in the morning, you just hear this like weird scratching sound. Like it sounds yeah, like a well, body's fo- being no, it dragged it across the It starts the floor. with foot,
3: foot, like foot things foot yeah, Really hear light. like foot, you, yeah, you hear footsteps, and then all of a sudden you hear and it sounds like someone just tears the flooring off the floor, and then it's like, bang, bang! whoosh, bang! I mean, like, things were being slammed <laughs> yeah. and thrown around. I mean, Jeez. just... How many people And they played it really down? loud for us during lunch, and everybody in the room, we did it in the kitchen, and everybody in the room just, like, <laughs> immediately scattered after it was over.
2: Red. This is online. I want to
3: see it. Stop it. Stop it, Cam. Knock it off. I don't mind that we lost to the
1: Dutch. They also shot uh, the, will the be the Blood in the background. The, 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 the scene, the bowling alley scene from There Will Be Blood was shot here as well. You should
4: mind.
1: They restored, um, it was actually the old AFI screening room, and they restored it.
3: We tried writing a letter, we tried the ad board, and we tried talking to the president of the university. Max's <laughs> eyes. I am asking you, for the last time,
1: let's take the We had a big debate here about what the Winklevoss were doing. Were they on the Internet looking for Facebook? Were they watching race footage? Mm. I don't think we ever really decided, did we? Well, I guess he was on the Internet there, but, yeah.
3: Screw it. Let's gut the
6: freaking nerd. <laughs> Let's yeah. gut the freaking nerd! what talking about! Check it out, I saw him today. Manningham. Now you look at Sean, and he's basically running the house. He's given the whole house his vision, and it's... It really looks like a workplace now. You know, no one's swimming in the pool, and the only thing frivolous going on is going on for Sean, which is two girls uh, with a bong. I think this is a scene where, where probably Jesse's character says, "Well, if Sean can run this part, I can just do what I do best," and uh, and then Eduardo shows back up, and and this is this right here is literally a standoff. I'm gonna call you back.
2: What's up? What's up? Mark supposed to pick me up the airport an hour ago. Real rain, just to let you know, real rain. Well, really no, rain? no, no, not real rain. But water, nonetheless.
1: <laughs> Did they warm up for It was it
2: precipitation. You? These girls were fantastic. They were so infuriating. They were what? like, they were, they were just messing around properly, like, as their job was, as, their, as per their jo- job description. And they were just like Shane and I, f- I forget the other girl's name. But they were both incredibly, um, playful and free and perfect. And really infuriating. We <laughs>
6: understand
2: this is my house they're in my house i had to imagine this was my like parents house or something and they were like walking over the my my granddad's old old couch and this guy that is my sworn enemy is staying in my my parents bed it was uh, i had to kind of think of it like that hmm.
3: i love that he can't even apologize to you for Ugh. blowing you off at the airport Ugh. Ugh. <laughs>
0: You got to see some of the new stuff we got. What's he doing on my
2: phone? How many how many hours has he racked up on my phone, Bill? about
6: the meeting I've got set up? You know Peter Thiel? Twizzler.
2: I think Jesse had a had a big fight with... with well, not a fight, not a physical fight with Fincher, but Jesse uh, tried to convince him of the Twizzler and obviously won that debate. He made a good enough case. Yeah.
6: There's a part in here which is a value that I played uh, which David came up with, really. Sean says, maybe I took it too far. And he sees that Mark sees that. He says what he says, and about the Snooky's cookies thing. And you see Jesse's character look back at me, like, why did he say that? And there's an ignorance played. And then the next shot, you see Jesse looking, and the next shot, I'm looking away. That was one value where I said, oh, you know, I don't care if I've offended Eduardo, but now I've offended Mark bong hit.
0: who's so high. No, are not. How's it going? How's the internship? How's Christy? In this scene, I was playing Mark in the rehearsal, in the first few takes, like, like a child. I saw him as an absolute child. He's waking up. Um, uh, the first first time we did it, uh, I came up with a uh, hat on Sideways. Um, like a kid, like, hey, Ma! You know, like a little like, kid with a Sideways hat, like you know, from a little, like, Curios commercial from the 90s or something. But I just thought of Mark as as a child here. Mark's become a baby, because Sean is the parent here. When they move out to Palo Alto, Mark is a baby. He's allowed to play with his blocks all day, which is coding. He's a kid. He has no sense that Eduardo is upset. He has no sense what Eduardo has just been through. Presenting himself Mark doesn't apologize to Eduardo here because, um, Mark didn't think of himself as somebody who has responsibility now to anything outside of Facebook because what Sean has created for him is a bubble where Mark can code all day and Sean can take care of everything else and Mark has no responsibility to his friend. And it's not because Mark's a bad friend, it's just because Mark's focus is so exclusively elsewhere.
3: Where was this house? Where'd you guys find this? And wasn't there a funny way that you guys suburbs. found this house? I
2: have no idea, actually. I think I
3: heard that they found this house on Google Maps. Because they really? needed a house that needed a very specific look, but also had a pool. So the scouting people got on Google Maps and just searched the city of L.A., I think, I for days idea, until yeah. they found this oh, that's house. interesting. It's your house, man. <laughs> it's your parents' house.
2: What did you mean, get left behind? Can I help you? I'd like to freeze this bank account and cancel. There's some army hammerhead going on in this scene. (laughs) She was great.
0: The first scene I saw of this movie was this scene. I tried to avoid seeing the movie for several months, and then I, I walked in accidentally to a screening once when we were doing this college tour, and this is the scene I saw, this push-in, and listened to this music and thought, oh, my God, this movie is incredible. I, haven't, I had no idea it would appear this way. It's like horror movie music, almost, um, in its eeriness, but more melodic, and that's not how I pictured that scene, and it's just so interesting, and this is, uh, you know, uh, David and, 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 uh, and Trent and Atticus kind of adding this very foreboding tone to this scene where mark is getting half a million dollars and 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 what that does uh, intellectually is um, uh, you know it does something viscerally for the audience but what it does intellectually is say that you should be worried about this great success that they're about to have um, uh, it's gonna it's gonna kill Eduardo uh, of course the visceral reaction is, is the same I mean the visceral reaction is this is this foreboding quality um, uh, even though they're getting this half a million dollar investment, y- you worry that it's going to create bigger problems. Who was it that said, "More money, more problems"?
1: Jesus Christ! She is terrifying. Awesome yeah, scene. she's terrifying. When did you it's so funny though. When at the same time,
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> Boss, babe. I got back this afternoon.
6: And when were you gonna call me?
2: Like, I'm trying to break up with her already, but I just can't because I'm
0: just scared of what she might do. Like, I really want to break up with her right now, but I give her a silk scarf instead. So I'm not in this scene, but I'm on a phone call at the end of this scene, and uh, as Andrew did for me in my side of the phone call, I spent the entire day on set on the other end of this phone. And so, uh, and as, you know, David Fincher does so many takes, um, it was a long day for this scene. Uh, uh, It was the whole day. And... I got to hear all of it. You know, Andrew and, and Brenda in this scene are, are so wonderful. I saw, you know, a hundred takes of them. And I was so intimidated by them because I was thinking like, my God, they're, this is what uh, real acting is in this movie. And I don't, I didn't feel like I was doing it uh, because when I'm in a scene, uh, you know, I'm obviously never watching, uh, you know, I'm never watching it from the outside.
2: The Silicon Valley sluts don't care what anyone's
1: is this, this is on stage? stage, yeah. yeah. How was that dealing with the the fire
2: it was okay yeah it, it was there was some technical um you know some some obviously like some technical dancing you had I had to do, and
1: you used to work as a fireman too, right? yeah yeah, yeah, so it, so it kind of worked out okay
2: yeah. yeah i was I think that was part of the reason why I was cast yeah, um and probably the only reason why I was cast I was a Brazilian fireman when I was 15. Five. Oh, yeah, no, five yeah, yeah wow. five to fifteen.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, it's good you, you can, know, crawl, you can
1: crawl in those little spaces. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we don't crash ever. If the servers are down for even a day, our entire reputation is irreversibly destroyed. Look, yes, is I
2: Jesse was so nervous at this scene, and he is so stupid because he's so good in it. Like he, he had all of this, you know, diatribe dialogue to, to learn, and he felt so un- underprepared, and he was so angry with himself. And I, I, and 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 I think it was lovely because there was a real kind of support that we we had for each other in the scene. And, in between takes, he'd be really kind of nervous about messing up and and he wanted to get it absolutely right. But I think his anger to him towards himself was nicely translated to his anger um, at me. And then on my side of it, he kept on giving me these wonderful little ad-libs for me me to react to for the last part of the scene where he, you know, I, I think at one point I, I made him say, I love you, you're my best friend, come and we'll get married and we'll live in a house together. Just to kind of like give me that right kind of reaction for the end of this scene. And he, he, he really generously, you know, embarrassingly told me how much he adored me. and It was really nice
1: for this last bit. How much did you and Jesse talk um, in like prep? Before we started shooting, about oh a
2: bunch, yeah. yeah, we yeah about the relationship and yeah. and uh, what we think needed to happen. Yeah, I mean the rehearsals were fantastic. Like at this point, I think he was saying, I love you, you're my best friend. And it was so sweet, and it really made a great a great difference to me in the scene. It was really generous of him. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> you forget you forget about her. She looks like she looks like actual anime there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, this isolation, it's yeah, so it's, yeah. pure and simple and tells you everything.
1: Watching from the outside. Yeah, the glasses are great.
3: Pleasure. This is
2: the Joe Mazzello moment that I wish was in. in newly- I, I look out at him and, and he does this thing where he kind of does this dance and... Uh,
5: the third is an exchange agreement allowing you to exchange...
2: The first modest Facebook office, and pretty and rad. <clears throat> so
6: how many shares of stock will I own? Uh, 1,328,334. Jesus Christ. That represents a 34.4% ownership
2: share. Why the increase from the original 30%? Because you may need to dilute it to award shares to new investors.
6: I love working with business majors. Hmm?
2: Economics.
1: Uh, Aye. He makes a distinction. (laughs) His percentage from 60 down to 51. Oh.
2: Well, Mark doesn't care about money, and he needs to be protected.
1: That's so nice. So sad, yeah.
2: Uh Dustin Moskowitz owns six point eight
6: one percent, Sean
5: Parker six point four seven percent. Live with that. And Peter Thiel seven percent. Would you like to use my pen?
4: Eduardo?
1: What was your choice to turn away? Was that was that David. You or was that, no, that, you? Was, that
2: was a David thing. He, he had to convince me of it. I, I was scared of, of it not feeling natural, but, you know, it, I think uh, he's very smart, so I just trusted him. And I didn't want it to feel overdramatic or you know, too pronounced, but, um, you know, it breaks up the monotony of a bunch of chairs mm-hmm. facing inwards, and I think it was a nice moment to do it. It was insanely stupid of me not to have my own lawyers look over all... In, in, in all honesty, I thought they were my lawyers. I was your only friend, Get one friend.
0: When Eduardo says, you are my only friend, uh, and is talking about the things that Mark did wrong, um, I think it's important to view that through its context. They're at, they're at uh, a deposition where Eduardo is trying to get money uh, from Mark and um, is saying these things on the record. Uh, this makes his case look a lot better. This is how I looked at it as an actor, in order to play Mark and justify Mark's actions, is that Eduardo is saying that because it helps his case, not because it's the truth. Um, So I was supposed to react kind of coldly to, to Andrew here. When somebody tells you I was your only friend, it's hard to react coldly, but if you think of it like this is somebody who's trying to take my money by manipulating these lawyers into saying that I had one friend, then it's insulting. Mark had uh, several other friends who are seen in the movie. Uh, uh, Dustin still works at the company, and that's a good friend of Mark. Chris Hughes was still at the company when these so depositions were happening. Uh, and they, you know, They were roommates, and Chris is seen in the movie. beg you to take their money. You're gonna nod, you're gonna nod, you're gonna nod, and then you're
6: gonna say, which one of you's Roth? No, not Roth, Manningham. Which one of you's Mitchell Manningham? And he'll say, I am. And then you say, Sean Parker says, fuck you. Walk out.
2: Okay. Late November, I got the email from
1: Mark. Andrew, did you have any um, audio samples of of Eduardo? No, I had nothing. So the accent was just what you came up with.
2: Yeah, I was just just trying to be a little bit Brazilian, a little bit of mostly American, you know, like like East Coast, Miami, and yeah. I mean, I I worked with a dialect coach, Liz Helmostein, who is brilliant. Yeah, I I spent some time with some Brazilians in, in L.A., and... Learned a little bit of Portuguese, you know, little, 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 little bit of Brazilian Portuguese, you know. You know, did a lot of capoeira. Really? You did really? <laughs> no, I, I did some capoeira. I didn't do that. I didn't do a great deal. Was
1: he born, he was born in the States?
2: No, he was born in Brazil. He was
1: born in Brazil, yeah. This was a tough,
2: tough day for sure. It was a tough couple of days for us all.
3: We heard about that over on our camp even. You should see what Andrew did in this scene.
2: Oh. Is just, you know, everyone was very patient. The extras were incredibly patient.
0: Um, The crew were incredibly patient. The way David shot Mark in this scene, so isolated uh, and separate from the group, is so telling. Everything I could do as an actor is is enhanced by how the character is framed. The way Mark is framed as isolated and alone in this cubicle is um, perfectly indicative of of what he's going through and, and who he is, and was very helpful to me because it enhances what I'm doing.
1: This is so good.
0: Such a good tracking shot. It's such a wonderful yeah. piece of
2: um, photography. I get chills
1: every time I see this.
2: Mark! He's wired in. Sorry? He's wired in. Is he? Yes. I'm very guilty about all the computers we broke. <laughs> How many laptops did you break? I
0: don't know. It was about 30 or something. Like that. Whoa.
1: That's awesome. Were told
0: that if new investors... David Fincher and I discussed what would have happened for that meeting to have taken place. We kind of thought that this is a meeting uh, where they're diluting Eduardo's shares, which is, of course, not in the movie. This is a meeting that Mark knew was going on and kind of pretended not to know and that Sean orchestrated in Mark's absence. It wasn't.
4: What was Peter Thiel's ownership share diluted down to?
0: It wasn't. And what was
4: your ownership share diluted down to? 0.03%.
0: Shame. Feel shame.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Trent Reznor.
0: You signed the papers. You set me up. You're going to blame me. As a character, I don't think Mark is a bad friend. I just think he's less interested in friendship than he is interested in Facebook and and in inventing. If you look at Mark as an artist and as a creative person and as a leader, you wouldn't fault him for being a bad friend because you wouldn't expect him to be a friend. Because we watch movies a lot and because we, uh, um, you know, because friendship in movies is kind of lauded as, as, as a very honorable thing. We're kind of going into this movie thinking that Mark is a bad friend. But if you watch movies about leadership, uh, you know, and, and, and these are not college kids, but kind of uh, business leaders, then, you know, you just view it differently. Yes, he hurts a friend, but it's a much bigger business relationship than it is a friendship. And you know, I don't think Mark values Eduardo in the way Eduardo values Mark. And if you view it that way, then Mark didn't do something terribly wrong. Just he did something that uh, uh, is better for the company rather than his friendship. And also, it's important to remember that Eduardo is getting a lot more money than he would have had Eduardo taken the company in his direction and they put up ads for Mountain Dew or whatever Eduardo wanted to do. Mark didn't wipe Eduardo out. He just changed his involvement in the company. I guess maybe that's how he thinks about it.
6: Almost forgot. Here's your $19,000. I wouldn't cash it, though. I drew it on the account you froze. We did that a million times. David kept saying to me, I need your face to be uglier and more afraid. I have a tendency to try to internalize everything. And he kept saying, no, bigger and bigger and uglier. (laughs) Finally. Finally, I just did one where I completely contorted my face, and there's no question which take he used, because that was it. I mean, you watch it back, you're like, whoa, that dude really thought he was gonna get punched. Um, but it works, and it speaks to the value of the character, that he pushes it and pushes it and pushes it and pushes it until someone pushes back, and then, essentially, he backs down.
2: On the walk away, I really wanted to embarrass Justin, but I... We didn't know each other well enough for me to make and sync cracks or any kind of joke about his music or...
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I really
2: wanted to, though, and I kind of regret not. Even though, like, you know, his reaction is so perfect, like, I, I just thought it would have been interesting if I could have really kind of cut to something deep. I didn't feel like it was fair and, you know, it was in a, f- a room full of people. And obviously, now I realize he would have taken it incredibly well because, you know, he doesn't take himself seriously. He, 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 he would have really appreciated it, I think. So I regret that. are you guys? Ashley? Me? No. A little
6: bit.
0: <laughs> mm. Why? No. Excuse me, Mark.
6: Okay,
0: we were just talking about you. Just that you're doing a really good job.
2: Thanks, I appreciate that.
0: Uh, that could have been played for—I don't know—I wanted to be funny with that line. I mean, the line is funny. You know, they're talking about uh, Ashley. You know, like being attractive, and then uh, Mark says, um, oh, "Just that you're doing a really good job." I guess it was kind of funny. No one laughs. Well, I saw the movie once, and no one laughed, and it bothered me.
3: They had, uh, I I think, a huge amount of those I'm CEO bitch cards actually made. (laughs) And uh, I live in the same building as Bob the first day of the movie. Mm. I went out to my car one morning, and there were I'm CEO bitch cards stuck all over my car.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Bittersweet, bittersweet, Eisenberg.
0: What a beautiful shot of Mark alone after something great. And then back to work.
6: After you kind of see Sean completely back down from Eduardo, this scene is, you know, inevitable. This is it, everything that Eduardo was afraid of at that dinner, turns out that's that's who this guy is.
1: This scene wasn't a controversy at all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Apparently uh, there were too many seconds
5: of uh, bosom cocaine snorting, again for our PG-13 rating, look, they're using cocaine in the scene, they're doing the cocaine uh, off a girl's chest. We had to shave a few frames uh, uh, here and there so that it, 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 it wasn't explicit. I'm pretty sure we don't see anyone snort the coke. Like you could show that, but we couldn't go further and show them tapping out uh, uh, the coke. Uh, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm just mentioning that this is anybody who's interested in, you know. Ha- I, uh, you see, we w- we couldn't be in uh, in a clean focus uh, on that when the when the line was being put out. This is for anybody who's interested. We saw him, uh, you know, like put the straw down, but we didn't see him uh, do the coke. Those were just sha- frames that were shaved off. Uh, so that the MPA would give us our PG-13 rating. You should never have gone back in that room, just left him in there.
0: Well, it shows that he cares. I was very curious to see, you know, I wanted to go to the set all the time. When you're working on a movie as an actor, you have a few days off, uh, and yet everybody else is shooting, and when you come back, it feels like years have passed and you haven't been there, and everybody's telling stories of the funny things that happen on set, and you just feel so, so excluded.
6: That's not mine. I got a good laugh out of that the first time I read the script where he literally looks directly at the officer and says, that's not mine. No, no,
5: no, I think this actor is really good playing this police officer.
0: I don't. I don't. And I to love that uh, um, Justin has an inhaler uh, here, you know, just exactly who he is. Such a fall from grace, this cool guy, you know, showing everybody how cool he is. And then uh, uh, he's revealed to be an asthmatic.
5: How old are you?
0: Uh, the way every night ends with an EpiPen. A police officer
5: 21. 21.
0: I'm 21. Lying only makes it worse. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have lied.
3: And this music is so yeah, good, oh, it's just like such discord. It's like the most unsettling music, yeah.
0: Something's this is something uh, that might be overlooked technically. Um, every time Justin is on the right side of frame, Mark's on the left side of frame. And halfway through the scene, Justin moves to the left side of frame and Mark moves to the right side of frame. And this was heavily orchestrated when we were on set. But this is not uh, you know, something that's by accident or something that just happened uh, because the actors wanted to move individually. This is an orchestrated scene. Watch, so Justin moves to the left side of frame, cuts back, Mark is over there. This is <laughs> just so wonderful. I mean, you almost feel like, how could anybody else be uh, you know, making movies if they're not thinking about stuff like this? He moves back, I move back. It's it's just incredible. When I was on set, I, I had no idea uh, of the millions of things that were happening around me that were making this movie. I just happened to overhear that this was what they were doing. I happened to overhear it, and if I didn't overhear it, I would never would have known, and I'd watch the movie a 100 times and wouldn't pick up on it, because I just don't pick up on things like that. This uh, gonna be fun.
1: I love how Reznor just goes between this... It's like this minor third that music just keeps switching back and forth between. It kind of holds you in this balance of uncertainty Mm. where you know something's happening,
5: but you just don't know what. its Mm. That's actually not Jesse's hand.
0: In a way, when Mark looks at that card, he's an adult now. If there is a growth experience for Mark, it's that. I'm CEO Bitch was the young Mark, which was 15 minutes ago, when he got the cards delivered to his desk. And then adult Mark is, uh, you know, Eduardo's left. Uh, Sean is is irresponsible. And if Sean is the parent uh, to Mark, uh, Sean is irresponsible, and Mark is now taking the throne.
5: We did a little over 40 takes on having the the hand double just lift the card out so that the light hit it just right. And as a matter of fact, we had to use two hand doubles because the first one's hand was cramping up. Now, here's where Rashida completely pays off. Rashida took this part where she only speaks in three scenes and had to spend so many days at work sitting there at that table for 12, 14-hour days. And, uh, I mean, we were just so incredibly lucky that she wanted to play this part, that we we were able to get her to do this. Because, you know, this is our way into Mark. Uh, She's a stand-in for the audience.
0: Agreement to present to you. you know, Rashida has such a natural uh, uh, intelligence to her. It made me, as Mark, want to um, show her that I'm okay. Um, I, that's, of course, what Mark is doing in the scene, and, uh, uh, you know, Rashida is very helpful uh, in that way. Our character is a contemporary of Mark's, uh, you know, but for the last several days she's heard that Mark is a monster from all these people. And so Mark here is showing her he's not... He's not that. And what she tells him is that, uh, you know, a I've seen worse, and b it never is what they say. And creation myths need a devil, and and that's the role Mark had to serve in that story. the
5: question, now everybody's thinking about it. You've lost your jury in the first ten minutes. Middle finger. <laughs> Farm animals. Yeah.
0: Aaron wrote this wonderful line, um, where Mark says, likeability, and it's such a wonderful moment, um, there was nothing I could do to play it up, which I was tempted to do. You know, um, the irony of, you know, Mark hearing that word and for the first time thinking, what does that mean, and why would anybody consider that ever? Do you think anybody would mind if I stayed and used the computer for a minute? I can't imagine it would be a problem. Thanks. The last line of the movie I, I purposefully didn't think about. I asked aaron about it uh recently but when we were shooting it i purposely didn't ask him about it because i wanted mark to think about that line and if i felt if i jesse understood what that line meant then i wouldn't realistically be able to think about it and so i wanted to um uh uh not understand it and then i asked aaron and he said he was referring to well you know you know sean might be that and you're kind of trying to be sean but you're not that and I, i never thought of it that way but i kind of wanted mark to just mull it over in this final moment Um, and just take it as he knows she's saying something nice to him.
5: Now, see if you can tell on Jesse's face. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna call up Facebook. He's gonna type in Erica's name. And... You see that just slight moment of happiness? She's on Facebook. After all that, she's on Facebook.
2: Just moving—it's just moving that she has a Facebook page. Just, yeah. just even that, even right. her her ability to, to know that she's okay enough with him to have a f- have a page of his. You know what I mean?
1: It's like the real Winklevoss are, are on are on Facebook mm. after all that. But it, it, it just shows you how universal this this site is. I mean, you can't escape. Mm-hmm. The Winklevoss, 2008, they joined it because they said that was the only way they could keep in touch with people they'd met in Beijing indispensable.
4: This
0: final moment, you know, I thought of in a few ways. You know, one is, it, it was the last shot we did of the movie. So it was kind of, um, you know, it was poignant in that way for me, um, you know, as an actor. But as a, char- as a character, um, you know, it's Mark's also, it's the end of Mark's kind of story as well. You know, he's going to settle, that's all going to be behind him. Uh, but there's this lingering feeling of uh, having done somebody wrong and wanting to write it. And also the great curiosity of, is this girl on my site? and how wonderful is that she is, and, uh, and how wonderful it would be to, um, to reconnect with her. Or not, but just to know that she's there, um, and that she's okay, and that he's finding out that she's okay through his creation.
6: The thing that you forget when people are that smart is that they're kids. These are kids, and, you know, uh, they treated each other the way kids treat each other, which is, uh, it's cruel sometimes. We've put so much pressure in our society on young people if they're able to do something really well. Athletes, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. You know, he's a brilliant, uh, he's a brilliant mind, and he still has an amazing, amazing invention that he bestowed upon the world. You know, that he invented, and but it doesn't mean he's not a human being. We pull a magnifying glass out and we we analyze these people, and I think. When you walk away from this movie. I think you have more empathy for all of them than anything. Or hopefully you do. Hopefully you do. I remember David, uh, when I screened the film, he brought the actors in to screen the film and. And uh, he texted me right after the movie and said, what do you think? And I said, this might be your best film.
2: Never met Eduardo. I, I, I would have loved to, and I would still love to if he's around. I'd love to, uh, love to, to hang out and have a have a drink and 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 see how he's doing. And I think he saw the film. And I think you know. Aaron was there afterwards uh, to kind of greet him afterwards and he said he was pale and kind of numb and he Aaron said uh, he, he someone uh, someone could have performed open heart surgery on him without an anesthetic at that point he was so kind of shell shocked and numb Whoa. um which uh, I don't know I don't know how to read that particularly but um you know if he was moved by it, it that's a good thing I guess um and he wrote an op-ed piece, I think, recently for him. Uh, I can't remember what it was for, but it was very, a very lovely and positive op-ed piece about creativity. And there was no bitterness in the article. It was all about uh, he was inspired by the film, whether whether he thought he felt like it was well depicted or not. He was inspired by watching these kids in dorm rooms um, creating uh, a, a shift in 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 the zeitgeist, in the cosmos, and in the way that we operate as human beings. And, he was basically talking about entrepreneurship and and, and the future of business, and uh, it was kind of a call to arms for young entrepreneurs to create what they want to create. It was a really positive piece that he wrote after seeing the film, and you know, it was really um, inspiring actually.
3: I mean, is there any way you can get like his email? Is there any way you can get in touch with him at all?
2: I could, you know. I I feel like it, it's Facebook? it's it's his yeah, exactly. I feel like it's his call really. I don't particularly want yeah. to um, pressure him. I think if you know, if I if I send out good vibes into the cosmos about it and be and just send out you know to people who might know and be like you know i'd love to meet him at some point and maybe that word will get back to him and then you know something slow and natural can occur but yeah i'd really really love to it's uh i want to know how he feels about the it's film it's an odd
1: sensation though i'll tell you very that weird, when yeah. we met the winklevoss i i we felt like stalkers yeah we literally walked up to him like
2: wait so did this really happen when
1: you were in like sixth grade and <laughs> yeah. does your dad really when go by this name, and they were yeah. just like pump the brakes guys you're
3: freaking <laughs> us out it's funny. Uh, you know, yeah, but but also because it's it's really surreal because you spend so many months trying to create these guys in your head that to finally see them incarnate
1: is just like, yeah, it's, it's very strange. And I do them justice. So surreal. They, yeah, you know. So we were shooting the Henley stuff, and we came back to base camp, and Armie and I had run into the Winklevoss and Divya and a few other people, and and we said, oh my God, Divya, you got to come back to base camp. You got to meet Max. So we're driving back in the van. And we're like, yeah, I think Max is kind of nervous to meet you, you know? He's he's not, he's not sure you know, how, his, how his portrayal is going to come across. And so we said, when you get there, just go up and talk to him in an Indian accent. We yeah, sure to really freak him out. Yeah. So <laughs> we get to the set, and we all max his name, and he comes to the trailer door, and Divya goes, Max, how are you? You do so good to meet you, Max. <laughs> yeah, and Max,
5: max
3: just like... turns white, and <laughs> he just starts going, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm <laughs> so sorry, and profusely apologized to him for, like, 30 minutes. Oh, <laughs> man. Great.
4: That's good.